Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. I have always valued my lifelessness. See, I thought about using that too. It's one of the many notes I have written down. Can I actually use my quote that I didn't say because I forgot? May I? Yeah. Okay. You got great. my permission. That's all I need. Nobody else is here yet. <laughs> um, I've never been so wet in my whole life. Mitch is also here. From now on, I will be your obedient servant if you keep me wound up. <laughs> I didn't really realize the connotations of that one until you said it. That's like from TikTok. That. Of course. <laughs> everybody's favorite soldier app. Yeah. Um, war app. And uh, lastly, we do have a guest this week. The one and only, the U.S. Marshal. It's Ryan. Welcome back, Ryan. No. My ruby slippers. That's my quote. I feel like, yeah, rarely do we get all the way into the voice. So I think that was that's a pretty good way I to really get things. I love the here. way that he, that Nic- Nicole is it Nic- Nicole or Nicole? Uh, I'm gonna say Nicole, uh, but I'm I'm pure. Yeah, I should have looked this up. Uh, but I, eh, not on this. Fair show. enough. I love the way Nicole Williamson says "ruby slippers." Ruby slippers. Yeah, he's he's saying it like a dude who only feels joy when he says the words "ruby slippers" Absolutely. together. So Ryan, it's been a while. You were on here for U.S. So Marshals. Infamously. Forget the greatest film about the police maybe ever maybe ever um it's entirely possible and when you were on last i uh, erroneously uh recently said that you chose this but actually you. william genero kind of put this on our radar Absolutely. uh william genero made a choice that we have to now uphold and keep and maintain exactly which is uh that we are watching return to oz and you know aside from any uh how should i say this lingering tensions from your previous podcast experience i don't know if you if the microphone can pick up me glaring uh but i don't think it can <laughs> so can you can you associate a sound with glaring so then anytime you make it we'll know that oh, you're yeah, glaring yeah. hmm yeah so just do that and now we know that you're glaring all right um that that's perfect so i'm just curious did that put any damper on you know your particular enthusiasm for for coming and watching return to oz or what was your sort of return to oz podcast return thoughts i mean we all have our gnome kings in life they 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 take our ruby slippers they 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 try to use they try to use the people we love to turn human, but uh, I'm I'm not gonna let it happen. <laughs> okay, so you're not you're you're insisting on bringing a, a positive attitude to this. Is this what I'm understanding? Am I getting this right? Uh, you, you you can interpret this in many ways. <laughs> sure, you absolutely can, Mitch. Um, you obviously knew Return to Oz was coming. Did you have any particular damper on any sort of? awareness that you had of what we were getting into here in any particular way that feels like an oblique question damper is a loaded word um well i mean look in this economy you got to use all the big money words (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you know i've heard of this movie um Mm -hmm. i've heard of it often talked of as like 
one of those trauma movies from people's childhoods um, that's like not really well remembered by many, but a select few. It's still a dream of it and wake up in cold sweats. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I I, I was kind of down to watch this one when I heard it was coming on. Yeah. And you had also you had also heard of Ryan at the time. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that worked even better than I thought it was going to. To be completely, I'm, I'm impressed with myself too. That was good stuff, Liam. Um, I don't think you have any particular interpersonal tensions that I need to obliquely refer to, but um, I do not know the level of hype you had or did not have for Return to Oz. Uh, so I would love to ask you that question right now. I was hyped. Um, I also heard about this movie in in the trauma sense. I, I hadn't seen it as a kid, and I could have sworn um, that this movie had like a, a an infamous ending scene in particular, like a final scene that scared a whole lot of kids. And I thought that I saw this scene on YouTube in like 2007 or something. Um, I thought it was a made-for-TV movie, and I thought it had a, a, a really scary final scene. And upon watching the movie, um, I'll, I'll tell anyone if they, if they also feel the same way, it does not have a, a scary final scene. It ends pretty happily, actually. Yeah. So I don't know if I was thinking of a different movie or if I just saw a scene from earlier in the movie and thought it was the last scene, but none of these scenes... Yeah. Uh, jumped out my to guess me as, is as me having seen you, my guess is know. you saw the gnome king's death and thought that was the ending maybe in in my memory i it was something in a living room i can see i could see a little girl in a living room and so I, it's just become one of those lost yeah. things i even went to my youtube account which i've had since like 2006 and i used to favorite videos sure. a lot in in the early days of youtube so i have thousands of youtube videos favorited and i i sorted by oldest 17 years ago videos and i just went through for like half an hour trying to find uh something titled you know scary scene or return to oz and i didn't come across anything so i don't i don't know memory is a funny thing um but i was excited to 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 see this movie regardless because i am a wizard of oz fan yeah. so I, I was interested so many of those videos must have just been video deleted oh, yeah they're that long there was a good amount but oh my gosh there were so many things that i had forgotten entirely the internet truly is an amazing thing oh, like yeah. any if there's any kids out there listening and your parents tell you to be scared of the internet uh don't listen to them i mean be a little, be a little cautious at all. Uh, uh, exercise some discipline <laughs> but i don't know you know what fair <laughs> enough uh well, like put all your personal information on idea. there and just there's, there's only one way to learn I will say I yeah. have a story about uh, being on the internet too young. Uh, I I wasn't on the internet too young. I maybe was a little late. You're ten years old right now That's doing true. a podcast. Uh, I was maybe a little too late. I wasn't really using the internet until I was thirteen. Uh, not as like of things it was uh, for my parents. It just sort of I didn't really do it. But I did watch YouTube every now and then without an account. And when I was about ten. Someone at school was like, there's this really cool YouTube channel called Epic Rap Battles of History. It's so cool and you should watch it. And I was like, okay. So I look it up and I watch the first one, which as you probably know, is Darth Vader versus Hitler. Uh, and it, and you know, it starts with Hitler and he's, he's rapping. And then Darth Vader has his first line. And the first thing he says is, you bitch. 
And I was so like sheltered when it came to swear words that uh, I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I was just like, I hear yeah. Darth Vader say you bitch. And I'm like, ah, and I turn off the video. You're like, he can't say exactly. that. <laughs> was it because of the word or because it was coming from this figure who you thought should No, say I was bitch. just like scared of swear words. Could have been well, anyone. Words have words power. Have power. And Darth Vader kills people, and that's the that's what you like focus on. <laughs> well, he didn't know who Hitler was. Well, I I, I, I think I did. I did. I did know who Hitler was. No internet. I was ten. You know? I think you, most people know by the time they're ten. I'd like to put on record, Your Honor, that I did in fact know who <laughs> Hitler was. I knew that I he was a once huge. I told bitch. a kid on the school bus who Napoleon Bonaparte was, and he cried. <laughs> That can't be true. What do you mean? It's true. I was like, yeah, he tried to conquer Europe like a couple hundred like, years no, ago. He was so sure. Then he cried about it. He was like, I was going to conquer Europe, and he did it instead. Why were people crying at so much stuff? I, I, we were all I little mean, babies. Ryan, Ryan's, I kind of understand. I understand that, but I just don't get why like hearing about Napoleon is worth Kids crying. Kids are funny. About. Kids cry at the darndest things. Uh, I will say, can I now uh, have give a serious answer uh, to your return to Oz question? Now that I think we're mostly done with the bit, I think we've you know, if people remember the previous episode, they know what bit we're doing, and if they don't, whatever. We've just been needlessly vain. exactly. So yeah, yeah. Um, I was excited to talk about. It. I had also uh, I I knew about this movie just from what YouTubing I did do as a kid, I, I would watch dumb, like watch Mojo lists that would often say like, Oh, what's in the most traumatizing kids movies. And they'd say movies I had seen like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, which I loved, but they also say return to us. I was like, I didn't know this Oz movie existed. I, but, and I was like, this is really interesting, but I never saw it. I did. I think this is important. When I was a kid, I read like the first four Oz books and I loved them. I didn't read all the Oz books, but I read I read the first four, including the two this movie is based on. And I remember them pretty well. Uh, which two are uh, those? That would be the second and third books, which are um, – the titles are, can be very interchangeable. So let me, let me pull these up. List of Oz books. A lot of the books appear to just be named after like character of yeah, Oz. Yeah, very much. The for the two books this is based on are book two, The Marvelous Land of Oz, and book three, Ozma of Oz. Those are the two books it's based on. It, it basically, it takes a lot of like elements and story beats from them whole cloth, but then t- puts them together in kind of a new story. Like there's, it's just these two different stories and it takes stuff that is directly out of them, but in putting them together, it's sort of its own different loose adaptation. But I think it works. Dude was sitting at home. And by dude, I mean the author of those books, which I believe was named L. Frank, Frank Baum. Baum. Yes. L. Frank Baum. And <laughs> he was like, I got to call this book something. Mm-hmm. Who's in it? Ozma. Great. Where is she from? Conveniently, Oz. Perfect. So what should I call this book? What do I just fucking, what do I just call it? The fucking Ozma of Oz. Who cares? Um, I did later discover that there are books called uh, The TikTok Man yeah, TikTok of, Oz. of Oz, The Scarecrow of Oz, R- R- Rinky Tink in Oz. Yeah, like he was just out here naming these books like any fucking string of words he could. The last one he did before he died, well, actually, uh, it was published a couple years after he died, but he had written it before he died, was Glenda of Oz. If it ain't broke. Yeah. And so. You've so you've got that bit of history, and then so I want to ask the other two uh, dudes, um, 
and then Ryan, you can answer back on this at the end just because it hasn't come up yet. But A, do you have any familiarity with like the books or is Ryan sort of our uh, designated guide through any of the material we may be unaware of? And also, um, are anybody, are any of you, geez Louise, uh, big like Wizard of Oz movie heads? I'll go first. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of the original film from 1939. When I was a kid, I watched that movie all the time. I was aware, or I am aware that there's books, but I've never read them. Um, so that's that's pretty much like my my extent of it. I'm fascinated with the lore of the original movies and like all like the, <laughs> I guess the history of making yeah. it and and uh, you know like the, the dark side to it. Uh, on Shutter, Cursed Films did an episode. Oh yeah, uh, exclusively dedicated to the Wizard of Oz, and it's very interesting how it sort of navigates that and all the sort of folklore uh, surrounding it. And but I'm not like a huge Oz super fan. Like there's people who watch like all like lots of documentaries about that, and I, I haven't like gone into that i just really enjoyed the movie when i was a kid i was terrified of the flying monkeys like i i was when i was like playing in my in my basement i would run up the stairs quickly because i would think of those flying monkeys and i would run up as fast as i as i could good good um, good move because they scared the shit out of me but mm-hmm. yeah not not a super fan but a fan fair enough oh Sorry, my birds. I forgot just about your birds. On a bender. It's because I'm very strategic with my mute button, but at some point they've got to poke through. Fair enough. It's actually flying monkeys. Those are the oh, sounds of yes, flying of course, monkeys, much. No, it's not, man. Don't even. Yeah, joke. it is. You've been to his apartment. <laughs> I actually haven't. Yeah, I don't think Mitch has been. So to that's why he doesn't know. That's why you I, haven't been to his that's apartment. That's why Mitch doesn't know that they're flying monkeys. <laughs> that's what I'm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they are. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. I tried to watch Cabin Fever 2 over there and I got attacked by flying birds. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that first movie too. It was just always on TV when I was a kid. Um, it was just like, especially always on cable and I had cable in my room. Um, and so I, I would watch The Wizard of Oz a whole lot. Um, and it's kind of an outlier. Like I, I was never big into old movies. I got into... Uh, uh, newer stuff pretty quickly um you know my my parents were were uh very nice buying me like new dvds and, and even vhs's and stuff so so i was mostly watching modern day stuff but wizard of oz was was one of the few that i that i caught on tv um and i really liked it and so i would just i would watch it a bunch um I read one of the books. It might have been the first book in like the fifth grade. And then I realized that there are so many books and that the first, the the, the, the movie isn't necessarily just one of those books adapted. Um, and that kind of uh, disinterested me. I'm not a big fantasy guy anyway. So, so I just read the one. Um, and like Mitch, I am very interested in the uh, the stories on set of that movie and the, the idea of like even just Judy Garland as a figure and uh, what she went through. Um, I, I second the cursed films thing on the shutter. That's really cool. Um, but even as a kid, I, I learned about the like the, the Tin Man um, 
kerfuffle where they had to recast the dude because the the costume was poison to him and uh, this idea that a munchkin committed suicide and you can see it in the movie so that's what i was doing on youtube as a kid i was i was oh watching boy. uh trying to catch a glimpse of like this dead munchkin i was uh I was on the opposite end of the spectrum. For oh me, yeah, Ryan. I, I was kinda, a little. I kind of wish I wasn't. I was but... a little innocent boy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I really dig the Wizard of Oz. I haven't seen it in at least over a decade, um, and uh, I, you know I've heard of Return to Oz in passing, but I didn't even really know what its relation to the first one was. You know, I, I know the title kind of makes it seem like a sequel, but I wasn't sure how much of a sequel. It was um, so. Really, besides that first movie and some of the the onset stories, is about how far my uh, my understanding of the the first movie goes and that whole world. I think one of my discoveries this time is this is a sequel in the way to Wizard of Oz in the way that Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, where it's trying to sequelize both. I think, like like it's it's very Mm. much like adapting those later those second and third books and like exploring elements of oz that haven't been adapted before but also with stuff like the ruby slippers i think it's trying to also in some senses call back to the first movie and be like hey look ruby slippers when in the book if you you may know in the book they're not the ruby slippers they're the they're the silver shoes they made them red in the in the original movie because technicolor if you're like l frank bomb are you just like pissed as fuck that a movie comes out and like the most I- one of the most iconic images from it is some shit that you I mean, did not make. I think he was already dead by that point. Well, good because he might have been angry had he not been Fair dead. Enough. Um, I was even less familiar with the onset controversies of the first movie. Like growing oh, up, yeah. I was maybe like very passingly aware of it, if at all, for most of that like core part of my life where maybe I was going to get really into the wizard of Oz. Um, I've seen it. I don't know if I particularly have like an affinity for it. Um, maybe honestly beyond just being like, now that I've seen more Judy Garland movies and I'm a Judy Garland head. Hell yeah. Uh, I can say that it's like maybe her fourth best. Movie. I mean, fair enough. Um, and like that gets, that gets to sound cool and contrarian. Um, Obviously, The Wizard of Oz is like a huge achievement, oh, yeah. but I don't have a particularly strong attachment to it. Sorry? What would you put in front? I assume Star is uh, Born. Star is Born, surely. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't actually mean to say fourth. Maybe Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet Me in St. Louis, I think, is probably her best. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, a third one to make what I said correct. Um, the Renee Zellweger, Judy Garland biopic. Yeah, where she played Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. Um, but I was very excited to to watch this. I obviously knew its reputation as one of those like scar you for life yeah. movies too, and I'm always down to give one of those a shot. And uh, we haven't gotten to a movie in a while. It feels like that already has like a huge reputation, like something that we were all kind of already aware right. of, or at least um, we don't always get to those um every week so it's fun to do something where it's like there's kind of a baseline playing field of like everybody sort of gets what the deal is um though i had completely forgotten that a uh, fruza balk was in it until the movie started and i was like oh nice i had actually never heard of her until we were at the end of the u.s marshals episode and you said fruza balk is in this uh and i was like okay this is the person <laughs> 
Yeah, she is. It's true. But a lot of people I know for years have been saying that both they invented the wave and that Fruzabalk's not a real person. Are we going to keep referencing the Crazy George thing, even though it was off mic? Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to podcasting. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. Should I provide the Crazy George uh, context with a K? I don't think so. Not okay. right now. Maybe later. Fair enough. I don't think we need to do it right now. I think we need to let people sit on it for but a while. I think it's a good idea. Uh, but also, Google Crazy George, he <laughs> rules. Very nice, man. Uh, if you pay us $20, you can get the context. <laughs> if you pay me $20. Uh, we'll I'm, the, I'm the one who's met Crazy George Henderson. You, you yeah, well, our the platform to profit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't tell me that this was a profiteering operation. Whoa. Wow. We're here for the love of the game. <laughs> I, I watched that movie recently. It's not very good. The Kevin for Costner the, movie. I, is that a movie? It's a Kevin Costner baseball movie <laughs> that Sam Raimi directed. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's fun telling people that Sammy Ra- Sam Raimi made a boring baseball movie starring Kevin Costner that no one remembers. I just yeah, put his brother. He loves baseball. Feruza Balk actually played the baseball. It's in true. <laughs> it's, it's true. true. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ted Raimi played the bat. I got to ask him. I don't think Ted Raimi's in the, the movie, actually. I don't think you yeah, Corey, either. you're lying. You're lying with that. <laughs> yeah, now we're lying. Speaking of of, of that, I'm going to take us way off topic. Have you have you guys ever heard of the movie Everybody's Hero? Yes, I've talked about this on the podcast. Hell yeah, when have you talked about it? I need to listen to that episode. Uh oh god, I think it was only a couple weeks ago. Really? Liam, when did I mention to you that there's a movie with the talk Oh, Sandlot, Talking oh, Baseball the talking And do you do you know who plays the baseball and the baseball bat? One of them is I think Whoopi Goldberg. I forget who plays the other the one. The baseball is played by Rob Reiner. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, we just talked about this. Also, one of the director credits is Christopher Reeve, like Superman. Yes, it is his final credit before his death. What a way to go out! Especially, well, actually, after his death, because it was two years after he died. I don't know what, I what his role in the movie. Posthumous release. Uh, po- oh yeah, two years posthumous release. He played third base. Absolutely. I don't think he had a role in the movie. Ed Helms as Hobo Louie. Brian Dennehy as Babe Ruth. Maybe I should rewatch this. I haven't seen it since I was a little I, kid. I don't know if you need to yeah, do maybe that. Not. But Brian Dennehy as Babe Ruth sounds good. You know, you know what else sounds good? Return to Oz. Absolutely. So, uh, fun. This is a, a sort of a pre-Halloween kind of time movie. Uh, so we've picked a good a good moment for it. I think that definitely worked out. Uh, hilariously, on the Wikipedia page, this is described as an unofficial sequel to The Wizard yeah. of Oz. Not canon. Um, as if it was MGM by was going to sue them for it. I mean, they probably would if they were like using their intellectual property they'd made for the movie. If like, it, like they, I, I, we'll get into this, but they had to pay to use the ruby slippers. That's why it feels so bootleg. That's why it's like, Lion Man, what happened to you? Tin Man, well, you got to stop hitting the ball. Okay, I, 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 have a, I, have a, I have a counter-argument to that. The reason well, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion look so different is because they, they make their puppets look and, and costumes look more like the illustrations. They're trying to differentiate from the original movie by making them look like the original illustrations. And also they had to get Tin Man off the wagon. That too. Yeah. I like my theory better. He was drinking a lot. Also, I could see the scarecrow design terrifying children. I like it, but I could see it. it terrified me. Fair enough. I, I okay. think it's funny. Boys, give me a minute. <laughs> we'll get there. 
We got, we got. All you are never going to introduce this movie, Corey. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, I am. Return to Oz, 1985, <laughs> directed by Walter Murch. Uh, Walter Murch, we've talked about a few times. Uh, he's that dude. He's that dude. Which is, I think, what I've said every time I've introduced Walter Murch on this podcast. Um, he wrote and directed this movie, which is out of his typical wheelhouse Absolutely. of editing and sound editing in particular. Did a, good, did a pretty good job, too. Yeah, you have heard his work in a variety of films, including uh, Apocalypse Now, THX 1138, The Conversation, The Talented Mr. Ripley, The English Patient, a single directed episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, oh, and wow. Captain EO. He's probably the most famous sound designer, right? Uh, I think so. When It's like uh, him and then sh- Gary Rydstrom. Yeah, when I was in film school, when we did like a big sound editing sort of discussion, sound design discussion, he was like the tip of the spear. Yeah. Uh, so most people probably know him from that. He wrote this movie alongside a dude named Gil Dennis. Good name. G-I-L. Uh, the movie is not edited by Walter Merch, but it is edited by somebody he has worked with before. Uh, their name is Leslie Hodgson. They were uh, a sound editor on uh, Apocalypse Now and also Dr. Strangelove. And All they right. edited The Jewel of the Nile, uh, which I thought briefly... Uh, sounded sort of like an agatha christie thing and then i was like well that's death on the nile so that can't be right exactly then uh i've realized it's sort of more like a looks like a romancing the stone kind of situation um glad i got that sorted so cinematography is by david watkin this dude's a fucking legend okay uh moonstruck we all love moonstruck it's the only criterion that i own do we like uh, Moonstruck? I, I love Moonstruck. I right? think I've come back around on Moonstruck. Wait, did you <laughs> did you not like Moonstruck? Well, Mitch and I, Liam, were you there too? I was in the class. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You guys were freshman uh, film students with absolutely no taste. Is yeah. What it so like. Mitch and I didn't see it. We saw it with Liam, but we weren't with Liam. I had a splitting hangover that morning, and it was eight <laughs> o'clock. I don't think that Mitch, helps. Mitch and I and. Uh, another classmate of ours named sam we're all just sort of baffled by it more than anything um huh but over the years Corey, he lost his hand he lost his bride he did johnny has his hand johnny has his bride it's unobjectionable that that's what happens and i do think it's grown on me i do think it's pretty good actually it rules i got Uh, my mom the criterion for her birthday last year so there's two of them in your house no no that was the that's why i had the criterion because i got it for my mom we have it well, your mom has it. <laughs> we live in the same house. Okay, fair enough. Um, Chariots of Fire. Mm. Uh, out of Africa. Okay. The Three Musketeers, the Four Musketeers. Oh, yes. Uh, like the one? The Three Musketeers. Not Mouseketeers? The Four Musketeers. I mean, yeah, not, I, will say, not yours. I will say we will get into Mouseketeers later when I get into the greater Oz context. That's Oh, a- my God. Trust, right. I'll have a little context corner. Um, also, the knack and how to get it. We've also got an uncredited cinematographer, according to IMDb, named Freddie Francis. Uh, Mitch and Liam, you guys should remember that name. Okay. Oh, it's a familiar name. Cape Fear. Ooh. Okay. Well, and also the Elephant Man in the straight story and glory. <laughs> Elephant Man, the only David Lynch movie I have seen. I will. I will change. I will uh, correct that at some point. Music by David Shire, who a uh, friend of the show, twenty ten, the year we make contact. Oh, bo- oh, yeah. Of course, you've covered that legendary 
episode what two three that makes sense. Early. That is one you'd want to hit early. It's like one of yeah. the ultimate they made another one movies. We're going to get to another early one of ours coming up. Okay. Uh, but he, he also worked on the Care Bears movie, Zodiac, and a movie called Four Eyes and Six Guns. That's a good title. Uh, Four Eyes ca- and Bofa. <laughs> Bofa. Four <laughs> Eyes and Both of My Six Guns. Bo- both of my D's nuts. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bad joke. So, this cast is broken up into three segments, so I'm going to request uh, that anecdotes are at a minimum uh, because it's about 600 people. Okay. Uh, live action actors. Right. It is broken into, up into categories. And also, there's some overlap because it's an Oz movie. Right. So we've got live action actors. Feruza Balk is playing Dorothy. Uh, you will know her from us talking about the island of Dr. Moreau, uh, but also the craft, uh, Ray Donovan almost famous etc and you'll know dorothy uh, from the wizard of oz uh legend of oz dorothy, dorothy's return um the sam that? raimi oz he's gonna come she, up again she's not really in that her mom is yeah well this movie's all about moms so it's fine fair enough um nickel williamson plays dr Worley slash gnome king best performance uh, in the movie he is in the exorcist 3 which was also like our third or fourth episode makes sense and uh, also Spawn. Oh, hey, who's he playing that? I don't know. Is he Malbolgia? That makes sense. <laughs> he plays play Spawn. He plays these nuts. Of course he is. I assume he's Malbolgia. That would be good. I have not uh, seen he's also Spawn. He also plays Merlin in a movie called Excalibur, and he does Yes, he does. Merlin. That seems like one of his more famous roles. People love Excalibur. Yeah. Uh, Jean Marsh plays Nurse Wilson slash Mombi. Yeah. Uh, she is in Willow. Uh, and also a movie called A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, which is just a bad name for a movie to have. I think it's a great name. Um, it, 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 I mean, it, it really sells you on the movie. You know, you you just you know what you're gonna get. It says it says on the tin. It's exact. It's pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Um, Sophie Ward plays Mom B two, and Fiona Victory plays Mom B three. I like that. There's only three credited when they're like. There's a lot of heads. Are they just reusing the same actors for all those heads? I'm 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 not sure. We don't know. Uh, Piper Laurie mm. plays Aunt M, uh, who uh, is in Carrie and The Hustler and Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, maybe the most famous person in this movie. Probably. Arguably, I guess depending on what your crowd is. Uh, I mean, if in my crowd, the most famous person in this movie is like Brian Henson. That's funny because I had never heard of Brian Henson. You never heard today. of Brian Henson. Is he like Jim Henson's son? Yeah, he absolutely is Jim Henson's son. <laughs> I figured because he had a lot of Muppet credits. Yeah, he directed Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, he he played I played characters like Hoggle and Labyrinth. Uh, yeah. I guess I don't need to do his credit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You've done it. It's perfect. Yes, he plays Jack Pumpkinhead in this. That was fun to see him. Uh, Matt Clark plays Uncle Henry. Uh, we've seen him before uh, twice, weirdly. Um, he was in Buckaroo Banzai and Back to the Future 3. Uh, also in The Outlaw Josie Wales and a movie called Trilogy of Terror 2. Two? Uh, then Do they get to three? Well, th- we'll have to find out. <laughs> Ooh, that's Emma- where the terror is. <laughs> Emma Ridley uh, plays Girl at the Hospital, a.k.a. Princess Ozma. Yeah. It's weird that Wikipedia puts it as if it's like, as if it's a... Uh dual role when like the girl at the hospital is princess Ozma. 
Yeah, well, they don't need to know that. So then we've also got uh, the guy who's doing the body of the scarecrow is literally named Justin Case. No, what? I didn't even notice that. That rules. He has the worst parents. Uh, Pons Mar is the head wheeler and also uh, the assistant to the nurse. He's also another thing you'll get to later. Uh, he's also uh, in The Blob, 1988 which is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I need to watch uh, that. It seems like my shit. He's also in Species 2, Masters of the Universe, and Theodore Rex, the movie where Paul Walker uh, dies and plays a dinosaur. What a career. Uh, speaking of careers, Bruce Boa plays Policeman. Uh, he was in The Empire Strikes Back and Full Metal Jacket and Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toto is played by a dog named Tansy. I was yeah, Tansy. My I was I was so pumped when I saw Tansy in the credits. <laughs> and then the remaining Wheelers are played by John Alexander, oh Rachel Ashton, Robin Barnett, Robbie Barnett, Aisla Burke, Peter Elliott, Roger Anals, Michelle Hine, Mark Hopkins, Colin Skeeping, Ken Stevens, Philip Tan, and Rob Thurtle. Now the voice cast. Okay. Denise Breyer plays Belina, the chicken. She is in Labyrinth. Sean Barrett plays TikTok. He was in Labyrinth. <laughs> Brian Henson plays Jack Pumpkinhead. That motherfucker was in Labyrinth. <laughs> um, so, uh, also, Sean Barrett uh, was in Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, really? Um, Lyle Conway plays Gump. He was in Blade and also has a credit on The Blob creature effects designer and creator blob effects crew i think he may have made the blob that rules the voice of the moose man he, might have he's made also one of the puppeteers on the gump so they just had him do the voice same with yes. brian henson and then pons mar is also the no messenger voice yeah uh, i mean no messenger just- no messenger probably my favorite part of the movie beatrice merch uh princess ozma uncredited so then we've also got puppeteers. We have Mac Wilson as Belina, Timothy D. Rose as TikTok's head, Michael Sundin as TikTok's in-suit performer, Brian Henson as Jack Pumpkinhead's head, Stuart LaRange as Jack Pumpkinhead's body, Lyle Conway and Steve Norrington as Gump, Deep Roy as the Tin Man, and I... John Alexander as the Cowardly Lion. Hell yeah, you did it, man. You got That's, through it. Uh, every human that's ever been born. Yes. Um, and if you don't know what Return to Oz is about, and let's be honest, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably don't. Should uh, watch it. Though. And a it's lot good. of a lot of you probably have not seen the movie. Uh, I would. So th- I will say, to anyone listening to this, I would recommend watching the film. We'll get there. Sorry. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, I'll censor it. It's fine. Yes, yeah, censor it. Um, I'll overlay Liam saying these nuts on it. This movie is um, really. This movie's really these nuts. Um, <laughs> yes. So, this movie, I'm going to compare it directly to the MGM 30s one just because it's easiest. Um, It follows that. It is following the events of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Dorothy has been to Oz. She's fucked around in Oz. She's made all of her Oz friends. She's found Uh, out. She has found out. And um, now she's back at home post-natural disaster, post-tornado, with her family with her aunt and uncle and they're not doing too great uh they're worried that she needs some kind of medical treatment because she won't shut the fuck up about oz a place that ostensibly is not real 
Uh-huh. Uh, and they think that maybe the storm and the you know the trauma of that has done something to her. They're also trying to build a new house. They're on hard economic times in this economy. And so they want to send her to a doctor who is so fucking horny for electricity, you would not believe it. This I mean... dude, it's turn of the century, 1900s. <laughs> and this guy uh, thinks you that electricity... electricity. <laughs> Can I get a clean one of those? The year of electricity. Perfect. Thank I you. I can't he believe does sound... Mitch is already blowing his plug for the episode. <laughs> and then he just falls out of a chair. Um, so he, there it is. I'll just cut that in later. It's fine. All right. Um, so he, the doctor is like, Hey, I've got this cool machine with a face. Uh, what if we used it to electrocute your head so hard you stopped thinking about Oz and also probably any th- other thoughts that you've ever had ever again? Um, Dorothy's like, hmm, I don't know about that. Uh, so she's at this medical facility and she is being left in a room and she sort of gets greeted by Ozma through a mirror. There's like another child here now. It's like, hey, what's going on? You want to get the fuck out of here? And, you know, it dawns on her pretty early that clearly this uh, these electrical headphones are bad news. So they escape during a thunderstorm um, and get sucked into some rapids in a very harrowing experience. And uh, you blink once and uh oh, uh, I'm in I'm with a chicken and I'm in Oz. Um, and maybe so, the person who helped me escape drowned. That's- and maybe the person who helped me escape drowned. So Dorothy returns to Oz. Oz, 800 different kinds of fucked up. A bunch of bad shit has happened to Oz. Oz has been conquered by a dude called the Gnome King. It's Gnome with an N. Don't at me. I didn't write the book. It's not Gnome with a G. If you're picturing that, you're picturing the wrong kind of Gnome. I think some versions of the book did have it with the G, but I believe Bomb intended it as n-o-m-e yeah and so he's like a big fucked up rock man oh, who can he's the best. control mountains and like geo- geology we are gonna do like 40 minutes on the gnome king i don't know if we can because we've already done 100 hours on me trying to get to the part where i talk about what the plot is i'm sorry so we'll see no no, no i'm not flaming you <laughs> sorry. I, would, I would never do it so flippantly um uh, that's for mitch um <laughs> so, so uh i heard a laugh and there was a little laugh that was a little laugh i can see it on the little on the little sound whatever the waveform thingy i think it was a little sob actually that's true it was the sound of a single tear landing on his mic my last sigh so uh dorothy gets returned to oz aptly titled all that shit's all fucked up the yellow brick road gone all of her friends gone people turned to stone wheelers everywhere deadly deserts deadly deserts that turn you to sand and then you fucking die um so she meets a new sort of motley crew including uh a big brass uh robot soldier man and um a sentient scarecrow i think he's on tiktok a couch they turn man all kinds of shit uh and they need to essentially get to the gnome king and sort of like make a wager with him to try to get things back to what they were like before away from the gnome king's terrible reign and he's just sort of there to fuck around and have a good time so what we're going to try to find out is if dorothy can sort of like return 
the scarecrow back from being wherever the fuck he's at because he's apparently the king of Oz and they want to sort of get everything back to how it was before. That is the gist of the return to Oz. Good job. Thank you. Nobody ever says good job. Well, you know. Kind of mid. <laughs> okay. Uh, now I'm glaring. Um, <laughs> so, Liam, I would like your take on Return to Oz first. Really? Okay. Yes. I I love this. I thought this was a beautiful film. Yes. I might like it more than the original. Oh. Um, Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, it's been longer since I've seen the original, Same. so so maybe I'd have I'd watch that and I'd be like, oh, with an adult mind, this has a lot of cool stuff working for it. Um, that makes me like it more. But watching this one as an adult and then thinking back to you know what I remember being in Wizard of Oz, I think this is just more my tastes. I love the uh, surreal fairy fairy tale darkness here i love the empathy that this has for dorothy as a child and the agency that they give her like this feels like a movie that i would love as a kid because i would i would see myself in the way that dorothy goes through these situations and her confidence and if i didn't see myself in her i would aspire to see myself in her and i also um would be attracted to these to these scary kind of creepy images. Um, Attracted in what way? uh, Mostly sexually, but uh, also, also uh, emotionally. I think it's just, I really like the design and I really like the, the heart that all these characters have like the TikTok and, and Gump. And I think it's, um, it's just a really uh, captivating paced adventure like i i was so curious as to where the movie was gonna go i love the setup dr sleep is such a good comparison the way that this movie starts it, it establishes that this is a sequel to wizard of oz and and you've got to understand that it's going to be a bit different you know dorothy looks younger it's a different actor it's a different time but once you get your head around that i i really like the way that this is like a a sober um kind of realistic look at the wizard of oz and then of course it it gets into fantastical elements but for this movie to start and be like dorothy is talking about what happened to her in oz after she got home at at the end of oz's happy ending she must be lying because that stuff can't be true we're gonna electrocute her brain oh my god i I, i'm like totally on board i think that's so cool you love electrocuting children (laughs) i think it's great if i had been electrocuted as a kid from some of the stuff i saw on the internet i'd probably be a much better person to be honest (laughs) um I just Darth Vader say bitch once. It was never the same. (laughs) Honestly, slippery slope. That was a gateway, bitch. Absolutely. Um, And I was, I was just totally, and I, I could gush for a good long while. I think the only thing that made it not an immediate ten out of ten for me, and I thought it was going to be for for basically the entire thing, is I think the climax feels a bit rushed even though i love aspects of it i i wish that it just kind of tied the pieces together a bit more i wasn't super clear on like how the characters decided to do some things or why some things made them victorious um but all in all i think it's an incredible movie yeah i would love to hear about it it's like a it's like a nine out of ten 
Also, when we get there, I'm intentionally making Ryan wait because I know what his answer is. Mitch, (laughs) batter up, buddy boy. This is everyone's hero. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this is a really interesting movie. Um, Liam called it sort of a more sober look at Oz, and I don't think I I really agree with that. Um, But I will say I agree with everybody's assessment that it is like decidedly more downbeat. Uh, than the original and I love that design and how it all works and this sort of glimpse into the grimness of 19th century psychiatry as as a as a backdrop for all this is is so so bleak Um, it's also not a musical and the 39 one notably was a musical so that it doesn't have that going forward either which adds levity to what is otherwise a you know a pretty depressing story even in the 30s one but um I, in terms of, of, of this, I wrote that a, like a, it doesn't really feel as lucid. And I think part of, as the original, I think part of that has to do with the characters and the design and just sort of, I think also the script isn't necessarily as tight and it feels like a little bit all over the place, uh, almost like picaresque, like they're going to crisis to crisis and, uh, like that's, that's okay. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, it's just different. Uh, I, I will say that I don't think the characters have quite the same heart or they don't pull me in the same way as the originals do. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they aren't nearly as humanized uh, and, and they don't have human flaws quite like the original ones do. Um, I mean, Jack Pumpkin had his mommy issues. Yeah, sure. Jack. If can that's get not a human on, trait. I, I couldn't care if Jack lives or die. I, I hate that character. Um, me watching else, the Titanic for the first time. Yeah, everybody else is good. Um, I like this movie. Uh, I I don't think that it's like I don't think it's a nine out of ten for me. But I was pleasantly surprised. I, I was kind of worried about this one because a lot of people don't like this movie because what it what it does is a very dangerous thing to do where you kind of play with the nostalgia that people have towards the original property and it's why a lot of other movies that try and do similar things fail critically and commercially. But I was really pleasantly surprised by the way this movie is designed and uh, some of the performances are really solid and and, uh, I kind of got enveloped in in the fanciful elements of this movie. So I think it has a lot going for it, but I think it feels uh, underbaked in a few places that we can kind of get to later. Okay, Ryan, go ahead. All right. But what about Corey? Oh, that's a I was good point. Let Ryan, go. do I have to go first? You can go first. Oh, I can wait. I've, man, we're all really on pins and needles wondering what Ryan thinks of this movie now that now that we've teed it up like this. <laughs> no. That's that's good podcasting. Um, it's so not, yeah. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by this. And the longer it went on, like the more I loved it. Like at a certain point, my notes stopped being like thoughts about like that were like trying to unpack anything in particular and just started to be like me being stoked about things that were happening yeah. as they were happening. Like my at my notes at one point go, uh, Look at this absolute fucking unit stomping around on this fucking ancient looking rundown set. This owns this waddling ass (laughs) music. 
these sets are exceptional. Look yes. at Mombi House and the way TikTok kicks all the dust around. Look at this fucking golden mirror mandolin palace. So at a certain point, yeah. my notes just sort of became screaming. But uh, I was really very surprised at because at first I, I wasn't I feel like the first introduction we get to some of the Oz stuff, I wasn't totally on board and I was I was I found myself being annoyed by some of what was going on. Like I find the chicken very annoying. Sure. Um I find I find Jack annoying at times, certainly. Oh, and when I was trying to see when I was trying to see the movie like find its footing early, I wasn't really sold. But holy shit, when the Oz stuff kicks the fuck off, does it ever find its footing? Oh, yeah. Does it ever really just hit the ground running to the point where um, and this was like very surprising to me by the end of the movie. I found myself like actually getting emotional when it ended. And like when sure. Dorothy doesn't leave Oz yet, I like my like eyes welled up. I was like uh-huh. just sad. <laughs> I was just really sad for Dorothy. Fair enough. Um, and like I was like, damn! I didn't think that this movie, no matter how it exceeded my expectations or its reputation, was going to have that kind of ability in it. And it does. Um, it's also got some really wildly imaginative stuff. Oh yeah. Um, the gnome messenger is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in yeah. a movie. This oh period. my god! I can't imagine the process of animating that. No, it's it seems really hard. Um, but, and yeah, the Gnome King is great. Most of the core performances are just really good. Feruza Balk is doing some really good work, especially carrying so much of the movie as a kid. Yeah. Right. Like that's a big, that's a big ask to she's make the of, whole of anybody. Most other kids would fail there, right? Like, no. And yeah. yeah, I think she's doing incredible. And I also think Liam mentioned that you have to adjust that this is a younger kid, but I think that yeah. sort of added youth like makes a lot of it a lot more impactful especially yeah. like with the tone and the fact that a lot of actors are in dual roles and it's very directly this sort of attachment in her like addressing like stuff that's happening to her in real life that is you know like upsetting or challenging or making her life hard and it's a direct way for her to sort of tackle those problems in like a place that's not without stakes but that is like comfortable i guess maybe more comfortable than real life would be and gives sort of a method to like approach that and i think that's a great thing for like a young audience to be seeing if they get through how fucking terrifying i'm sure some of this was oh yeah to children um but overall yeah like i was really 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 won over by the end of it i was not necessarily sold immediately but by the time it was over i was completely taken with it yeah 100 all right ryan I got to say, I pretty much agree with most of what you guys said. I was excited to watch this movie. It felt like it would be my shit. And I'm happy to report that it totally fucking was. This movie, <laughs> I, t- I texted Corey this. But but yeah, I, I, I was just, I, I after I watched it, I just I just messaged him, spoilers, it rules. Because uh, it does. I mean, I will say that I think the minute I was already like my ears perked up was when you see the Dorothy's uh, uncle or whatever reading the little newspaper clipping that mentions fucking shock therapy. And I was like, Oh, f- Oh God. We're, yeah, we're getting up to some shit. Yeah. I mean, I think Walter Murch is a good fucking director and he should have gotten to do more stuff. Uh, 
And I mean, yeah, the the of I knew I would love this movie from the second we saw like the gnome faces on the rocks. Just, I'm just such a fucking stop motion freak. It's one of my favorite things. And the stop motion in this movie is like beyond good. It's I think my favorite I, I was love I was really in, into the movie and, and like once the wheelers and TikTok and stuff show up, I was like, oh, this is moving. I, just, I, I assume like you were Corey. I was like, this is really good. But once we get to the Gnome King shit, that whole section of the movie, I think, is where this movie is fucking 10 out of 10. I don't think the whole movie is 10 out of 10, but when the Gnome King is on screen, fucking 10 out of 10. Holy shit. Everything with the Gnome King rules. It's so fucking good. Nicole Williamson, MVP of the movie. And just the level of detail. I love it when he's like sort of partially out of the rock and you can see it sort of shifting behind his head. And like, it's so fucking good. And like, you could never make it look that cool in CG. It's like, oh my God. Well, and the way they even communicate stuff about the Gnome King, where it's like every time they cut back to him after somebody's fucking dies, yeah. um, like he looks a little more human, but nobody says or does anything. And your brain just has to sort of slowly suss out. I like, love that. Is he a little more? Once you realize like, that he has he actual like human guy? eyes. Dude. Yeah. And his eyes are so blue that they just like come out of fucking nowhere. Oh. And, and, um, and then I even yeah. love him once he's not stop motion. He's just like gray Nicole Williamson. That's still great. Yeah, man, he's. Yeah, he's he's an incredible aspect of the movie, but I also mm. think even the uh, the mombi phase, the yeah. pre gump phase um, is just really, really good. Uh, also, that set in particular um, the ornament room set is great, but the fucking yeah. palace set that is like all mirrors and gold. Oh, they do some cool stuff is, with mirrors in this movie. Fucking incredible. And there are so many good creative shots with mirrors. And I don't know how, because like the floor is mirrors, the ceiling is mirrors, the walls are mirrors. Like, I don't know how they kept this the is camera. A, this is the first movie he directs and he does something that complicated. Yeah, I don't know how they kept the camera out of some of these shots, um, but there there's so much cool cool imagery there and even just like set design like production design is just so fascinating and like there's the shot where dorothy goes to enter zombie's room about to, to say the, the same thing key. yes so she walks up and there's like three mirror panels and then it's a door and then you open up and then you can see her entering and now you you go from seeing the room to seeing what was outside of the room because she's walking into the room yeah in the reflection of the open door you can see her walking into the room and the camera doesn't have to move yeah it's just they were really taking big, I think, swings with stuff like production design and costume design and how they wanted those things to communicate um, stuff that they didn't want to just come out and say. And I think they did a really good job with that. It's so, so cool. Mm-hmm. I think even on top of that, like like complimenting like the like the design of the characters is like the the, the the conception of the characters where like if you look at tiktok how he has to be like cranked three different ways either like action Love speech it. or like thinking and, and they have some real fun with that later in the movie yeah like oh, oh his action wound down and all that yeah <laughs> also he's like smart enough to lie which i just think is a good a good trait for a robot to have yeah it's so weird to me that this is really like the only Oz adaptation that uses characters like Gump and TikTok and Jack Pumpkinhead. I think because the original movie is so iconic, whenever someone does an Oz thing, they're like, well, we have to do like stuff that's in, in reference to the original movie. Like A Wonderful World, of, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful is all just sort of like going off your knowledge of the original movie. Uh, Wicked is very much that, of course. Uh like or a movie I can't wait to talk about, 
uh, Legends of Oz Dorothy's Return. Have you guys ever heard of Legends of Oz Dorothy's Return? I have. No. No. Legends of Oz Dorothy's Return is a shitty, cheap-looking animated movie from from several years ago uh, that looks like it was made to be directed video, and it was made to be directed video, but it ended up getting released in theaters. And I haven't read too much about this, from what, but from what I've heard, it was straight up a money laundering scheme. Uh, <laughs> a money laundering scheme, I believe, that was somewhat orchestrated by Noah Centineo's dad. I need to look into this more. What? Yeah, Greg Centineo. <laughs> That is an all-time great name drop of just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that dude's dad. Exactly. Uh, the movie had a, a very stacked cast. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> Martin Short was the villain. You had Dan Aykroyd as the scarecrow. You had a, You want to know who played Dorothy? Uh, I did, actually. Yeah, uh, Leah Michelle. Oh, really? Yeah, timely. It's wild that that movie exists. Yes. Um, uh, but, 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 yeah, I think... I, I do really want to get into the context behind this movie and the history of like Disney doing Oz movies. Is it, is it okay if I go into that for a few minutes right now? Yeah, go off there. Yeah, if you've done the research, who am I to sit here and say, D's nuts? All right, so back in like... The, nobody laughed. Okay, the joke's dead now because nobody laughed. From the beginning, one of the things that Walt Disney wanted to do uh, after Snow White and all that was in the back of his mind, he wanted to do an Oz movie. He thought, you know... the, the uh, But obviously MGM beat him to it, but he still thought... Oz was a good fit for Disney. It was something he'd want to do. And in the 50s, it, in like 57 or so, I don't remember the exact year, uh, he he announced, uh, like, we're going to do it. We're making a live action. It's going to be Disney's first big live action musical. It's called The Rainbow Road to Oz. Uh, and the way they, he first promoted it was he did an episode on one of his little TV shows. I believe the show in specific, specifically was Disneyland. And it was like him and the Mouseketeers, and and he had the Mouseketeers perform a couple songs that had been written for the movie, and like play a couple roles, like the Patchwork Girl, uh, and and uh, the Scarecrow and stuff like that. And they sang a couple songs that aren't like super memorable or great; they're fine. Uh, but even from that, you can tell like I don't know what this thing is going to be. Uh, and I think and I think Walt knew that too because the movie never happened. And instead, the first musical live action musical they made was Babes in Toyland. Uh, but but uh so that never really happened uh but it but 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 uh by the time uh walter murch had a meeting with disney in in like 1980 or whatever he he was like i not knowing the history of disney wanting to do us not knowing that they had some right right some specific rights to the later books that i think weren't in the public domain yet or something uh, they, they, he was like, I'd love to do an Oz movie. That's like just sort of an idea I've always had. And whatever guy Disney was like, Oh, Oz, we, we've been wanting, we've been thinking about Oz for a long time. Walt, did, Walt wanted to do it. And it, they're like, yeah, go fucking do an Oz movie. Do this. And that's the very short version of how this happened. But of course that later on we get Oz the great and powerful, which is once again, Disney, this is Disney now in a phase before they started buying everything of like, we got to get boys in. We got to do things that boys want. Making billions of dollars off princess movies is enough. We have to get boys in. Uh, so they, they, uh, they, 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 they're trying to make franchise out of everything. So they're like, what about Oz? Let's do an Oz movie, but it's about the wizard. <laughs> Finally, 
a Wizard of Oz movie for men. Exactly. Exactly. That was really for dudes. That was really the inception of the movie, and badly timed too, because it came out a couple years after Wicked blew up. And it, but it's it's trying to do its own origin story for the Wicked Witch and all that, and it's just like yeah, Wicked, which famously isn't for boys. Well, right. But 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 that movie comes out and it's the worst Sam Raimi movie by far in my opinion. Uh, and because it, it also doesn't really feel like a Sam Raimi movie at all, uh, it feels like he's just sort of getting lost in the thing. Uh, and also that movie was bogged down by the fact that by that point, uh, Warner Brothers, who owned the MGM library, had been like, "Well, Oz is in the public domain, so what we're going to do is we're going to copyright every original visual element of the original movie. So if you're doing an Oz movie now." Uh, you can't. Your your Wicked Witch cannot be the exact same shade of green as the Margaret Hamilton Witch, or or, or like uh, you can't have the ruby slippers because those are in the MGM movie. The 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 you can't have Munchkin Land because Munchkin Land was invented for the for the MGM movie. The the yellow brick road can't uh, wind and twist. It has to be it has to be straighter. Uh, uh, there's a bunch. That's homophobic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but just so much shit like that. And Raimi, of course, wanted to do something that was reverent to the original because he loved the original. But then the whole movie, there were lawyers on set being like, uh, there has to be a, the, the Wicked Witch has to be a darker green and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but yeah, and, and that's where we're at now. And then like the or early version of that is how they really wanted to use the Ruby Slippers for this movie. So Disney straight up paid MGM. But I do, this isn't a smooth transition, but I do got to talk about i assume you guys know that the wicked movie is going to be two parts right yeah i don't know a single fucking goddamn thing about wicked <laughs> yes they're, they're, I, I barely know what wicked is i'll get into it uh wicked it was originally a book that this guy wrote in like the late 90s that is sort of a, since oz is in the public domain he wrote a book that it was like the the wizard of oz from the wicked witch's perspective how she came to be who she is uh empathizing with her more and realizing oh she's not actually that bad like it, that, and of course, that's the thing we see more later. Maleficent was very blatantly just wicked, but for Sleeping Beauty, uh, and it's that sort of idea from the villain's perspective and realizing that oh, they're not much of a villain. Uh, there's even there's even a book that's that for Grendel from Beowulf. Uh, I've read that, uh, but but anyways, they made a musical. Stephen Schwartz, may, 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 I believe, made made a musical that, based on this, and it goes into yes, the, how the Wicked Witch and Glinda were friends in like college. And, or, or something and there's wizard all, college yes basically uh uh there's all this shit and and, and you 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 oh, i think from what i understand i haven't seen wicked from what i understand people love the first act but then act two is just sort of wizard of oz club shit oh like <laughs> like like it's just like oh look this character this, <laughs> sorry <I'm> like, <laughs> That's like the funniest invocation of glove shit ever. Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you. A, I'll give you a minute. <laughs> okay, so because like in the first act, you're, you, it's sort of all this the sort of conflict between Alphaba, who is the which is which is the wicked, which is real name, and Glinda, and and, and sort of their conflict, but also kind of friendship, and it's uh, you know. Uh, uh, Alphabo is green and sort of ostracized for that and, and there's some really great songs Act 1 ends with Defying Gravity of course which is I assume you all have heard very famous song uh, 
But but uh, in Act Two, it's like, oh, this character ends up being the Tin Man. Here's how he becomes the Tin Man. Here's how the flying monkeys are made. This is this this character ends up being the Scarecrow. This character is the Cowardly Lion, and it's just all that. And all and, and from what I understand, also the songs are not as good in Act Two. But John M. Chu, director of Crazy Rich Asians and In the Heights, is doing the Wicked movie at Universal. And and they announced recently that the movie so it's such a big thing and there's so much good stuff in it. We can't it can't be one movie. We are making Wicked two movies. So in 2024 and 2025, they're releasing Wicked's part one and two. Uh, so I guess movie one will be Act One, movie two will be Act Two, and everyone is making fun of this because everyone loves Act One way more than Act Two. So like, what is movie two? Movie two is going to be I guess just Wizard of Oz club shit on the big screen. <laughs> Uh, but, but, uh, it's so weird. And I, I want, I bring this up because I think, uh, when we're in, when the wasteland has come and all uh, in 2025 and nothing remains on the face of the earth, except for they made another one. I think, I think you guys should only cover wicked part two. I think it would be a very good bit. If you ju- when it comes out, you just do an episode on wicked part two and not, and not wicked part one. Yeah, it's an easy sell. I think we can do that. So keep that in mind in like three years. Yeah, you got it. Fuck. Oh my god, Wizard of Oz Glub Shido is like one of the funniest things anybody's ever said. <laughs> Thank you. Like maybe ever. <laughs> what is Glub Shido? What- <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what Glub Shido is. So this is sort we, of we will get to the movie. We will get to the movie, I promise, but now we have to explain what Glub Shido is. This- of a phrase that's been popularized online i think this is all important this is this is a phrase that's sort of been popularized online when someone was i think in the wake of mandalorian once yeah. someone was making fun of people losing their minds over every random star wars character making a cameo and it's like star wars fans when glup shitto finally appears or we're like when they finally say what baby yoda's name is and it's glup shitto uh like just sort of making fun of random star wars names that a bunch of dorks get excited for the people who fixate on small minutia. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I've been like, the victim of this. I am so excited that Babu Frick is in Mandalorian season three, and I've, I haven't even watched Mandalorian. But I, a lot of people, people will see that and be like, oh, yeah, another glup shitto. All nerds losing their minds over another glup shitto. <laughs> Interesting. So glup shitto is not a real character. No. I mean, <laughs> no, it I probably, will, probably will be at some point. Probably. I think there is like a. 85% chance that Disney will just make a character named Glup Shitto. Probably not because um, shit isn't the name. Yeah, but it's sh- it, they'll it'll be written maybe. Like they'll do it. They'll I mean, fucking I mean do there's it. a lot of references in Star Wars names. Like in the original in the original movies, there's characters named Klaatu Barada and Nikto. There's a character named uh For Lom, which is a reference to For Love of Money. Uh but but I'm a I'm a fucking dork. Uh but but anyways. Uh, yeah, Glup Shitto. Uh, Mitch, have you ever heard the term Glup Shitto? I have seen it. I've seen it sort of like talked about like in relation to like fanboys and shit. Yes, it's, yeah. it's um, sort of generally now in the, like the way I use it is sort of dev- look like, look, it's this character kind of thing. This is the Wizard of Oz's Glup Shitto. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but, finally, now I know that the Tin Man used to be a human man. That's this is my big Glup Shitto moment. Yeah, uh, should, um, I mean, I can explain. Is the the uh, this one character accidentally shrinks this man's heart? And then, and then, uh, Alphaba tries to, to, to save him and then turns him into a Tin Man. And then on stage, you see him come out as the Tin Man. You're like, oh my God, it's the and Tin I, Man. And I, and I clap because I recognize the Tin and Man. And you exactly. learned that his name before all this? 
was Glup Shitto. Was Glup Shitto. His name, I, I think his name was like Bach or something, like B-O-Q. That's a, that's a Star Wars name. Yeah, pretty uh, much. So... Now that we've got all the relevant information that we need, I'm so, I think I think the the, the uh, initial context was important. Then we got I think into all of it was important. Fair I think club shit was important. Okay, thank you. Thank I you. I want to throw it back to let's go to Liam, um, just because it's been a minute, and now that he knows what club shit is, he's got all this new insight. Yeah, into club shit Um, I'm just seeing how many times I can say club shit now. So but fun. um, what sort of stuff? Because obviously you said that, um. It's like it's it it hit really hard. It's like a nine out of ten. I'm just curious. Like, was there a moment early on in the movie where you were like, "Oh yeah, I'm in"? Like, what was the part of it that sort of sold you on the process? To be honest, I don't know if I like this movie anymore. It's kind of glup shitty. There's a lot of uh, <gasps> there's way too many uh, characters from uh, the the other books. <laughs> hey, well, look, it's not the same thing because it's not. It's Gumpy. It's a big MCU vibe. This is like the. Yeah, it's not the same thing because this is the first time that like Gump has been on screen and Jack Pumpkinhead has been on screen in that way. I don't um, think it's a. Glup, I don't think this is a glup shitto. So so a glup shitto Liam is like a glup shitto would be they make the new Hellraiser movie and then at the end the girl from the first Hellraiser shows up. Can't be you you gatekeep of a glup shitto like. I'm just I giving know an what example. Is, right? I know it when I see one. No, no I'm giving oh, it's like a dumb studio mandated uh, character Easter egg thing. Like it's not like just characters. It's like when it's clearly meant to just make a bunch of specific dorks. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm just taking the piss. But, no, yeah, yeah, but we're just making sure that everybody's on the same glup shitto page. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I get it now. Okay, I'm on the page. Oh, I like yes. this movie. Scarecrow again. being in this okay. movie is not a glup shitto. Okay. Cru- cool. Crucially, it's a, like Liam. It's so important that you know that. Um. But yeah, so like, what was it about? Like, at what point? What sort of trait of the movie or like combinations of things was the thing where you were like, "Now I'm in, I'm this is really clicking." Like, was it right away? Was it? Yeah, first shot, bro. I thought the first shot was beautiful. It's uh, it starts off looking at like the this first st- shot is starry awesome. sky, and then it pans uh, across a bedroom, and you see this girl who who isn't uh. You know, it's not Judy Garland, but the way she's kind of dressed, she's got her little braids and she's got brown hair. And I was just like, I know that's Dorothy. And she's lying in bed and she's just gazing longingly out at the sky. And I was like, already I'm in. I don't even need I don't need to know what she's thinking about. I know she's thinking about something. And I uh, and she's a kid. And so what could be on a kid's mind like that that makes them look out at the world in that Love way? Sure. And I was just, I was like, I'm down. Um I love how Auntie M catches us up on the timeline when she's talking to uh, the uncle, you know, and she she says that Dorothy uh, uh, says that she met all these creatures and uh, we got to get her all sorted out and stuff. And so I I really loved the setup. I think it's um, it's kind of like a cool... Not a not like a a fuck you to the Wizard of Oz, but like I like I like the that it's a different take on it. Like this idea that they they get to Oz and you don't get to see the beautiful yellow brick road that everyone's been talking about for fifty years, and you don't get to see the Emerald City the way that uh, that it, it was such a build up to get to it in the first movie, and now you see it pretty quickly and it's just dilapidated. And I thought I I think that's really evocative and maybe meaningful i don't exactly know what it means in a greater context but in this movie i think it uh it it means a whole lot and so i loved that and then i am not on the same page as uh 
as Mitch and as as Mitch and Corey with um not liking Jack Pumpkinhead or 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 Bolina. You like him? I loved him. Mom, I, hey, mom. I, I'm in I the middle. I like them. I don't dislike Jack Pumpkinhead. I, I, I don't I like can, him at all. I honestly I can would understand. have been happier if he died. I get that maybe not liking his voice, but I was in just because I thought his design was so great. He looked just like the original illustrations. I thought the puppet was really good. That was enough for me. Well, it's kind of touching, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved his. He design sounds like as even, well. he's even more of a kid than she is. Like, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is true. Which is true to how he is in the books. I loved his voice. Like, I thought he was so timid, and yeah, I just thought he was um, cute. Yeah, I thought he's it aligned like with the stuff he was saying. Mitch, gotta give him some credit here. Um, and I want him to die. He didn't know where his mommy was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, I, I <laughs> Liam, yeah. Can I call you mom until this podcast is over? <laughs> yeah, have at it. Have you at should it. have asked that at the beginning. That would be, that, it's still a good bit, but oh, I'm sorry. We're critiquing the podcast while it's ongoing, Ryan. I'm still allowed to be a little bit of a heel. I might have preferred this this group of characters uh, to the the original one i oh. i think they're all just so creative wow. and cool and and maybe that's because you know i've become so used to the cowardly lion and scarecrow and sure. Man that they don't they don't feel creative to yeah, me anymore but <laughs> oh I, I thought they were going to be in this movie and so when we see that they've all been turned to stone and we're getting to know other people i thought that was really interesting and then i thought that the designs and the characterization you guys talked about how tiktok has so many cool characteristics to him i thought that across the board i loved i loved all of them um yeah and so i was i was i was just sold i mean maybe i wish we got a bit more scarecrow just because once he shows up i'm like that's a sick design um and so maybe i would have wanted an agreement on that because i know (laughs) i i I know i've seen people be like scare scarecrow sucks in this movie he looks creepy and dumb but i I really like i like that he looks literally exactly like the original illustrations and really different from the mgm movie yeah i like that it looks really different too and just odd and um and just strange. I think this movie totally captures this sort of otherworldly thing that maybe has faded because Wizard of Oz has been uh, brought up so much. I think it's impressive that 50 years later, this managed to create a new um, uh, fantastical world. And I, I really dug it. And I, I like that it spends time away from all these characters we know. And even Dorothy, you know, I, I like that she's played by a different actress. If, if somehow she could have been played by Judy Garland. You know, might, now that, it would be what, a CGI Judy Garland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't think that would have been as cool. I like that it stands voice. on its own. Yeah. So I, so much good stuff. So much. Yeah. I will say, to, speaking of that, I love that they didn't really, they didn't force Frieza Bulk to like do a Judy Garland performance. They just let her be, get try to give like a natural, like you're, yes, you're the lead mm-hmm. character of this movie, but like that they clearly wanted her to be comfortable. And I think she does a really good job. And I like that yeah. she's not hampered down by trying to do Judy Garland. She feels very authentic. And, and I think part of that also has to do with like Piper Laurie's performance as, as, as Auntie M as well. Yeah. I, I think Piper, Piper Laurie is, is firing on all cylinders as, as like the domineering aunt. Um, she's, well, she's domineering, but not like, um, not like oppressive. Like yeah. the nurse is like oppressive. No, like, I think she's just cold. Um, and maybe like out of options, maybe cynical. Yeah, yeah. And I think also just a product of, of her time too, set in the 19th century. They didn't really, really have the best grasp on, <laughs> on, 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 you know, 
how to, how to, how to treat kids in those days. It's just you, like, you don't help me work out in the fields anymore. What do you mean you can't climb into my chimney and sweep it out? Oz! <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, she's, she's really good too. And I think, um, <laughs> the way that the narrative is structured uh with with all that like scary 19th century medicine and and the the way that that uh institution is designed with the woman who's kind of walking through in with that black dress down those clinical corridors and, and the sound design you really do feel bad for her and i think at the center of the wizards of oz what made it really great and i think resident resonant in the 30s was that it was a piece of like it was escapist media it was an escapist sort of musical right and Dorothy's facing hard times, goes through a natural disaster, escapes to this mystical land, and, the, and they kind of evoke that again in this movie, I think, successfully for the most part. Um, but at the same time, I also think that this is sort of intentionally, and perhaps just because so much time has gone by that like for the audience it can do this better than... Because we don't know how long it's been since Dorothy went to Oz. No. But you are also getting a sense through the tone of the movie and also the the relationship that Dorothy has to Oz even when she's there that this is like enough time has passed that it almost feels like her relationship to being a kid is different if that makes sense and I think maybe part of that is the juxtaposition from Judy Garland you know looking older in what ostensibly came before this and then Veruza Bulk looking fairly young but there's this sense that because this sort of like fantastical but true thing that happened to her is kind of being rejected and she's sort of being met with this very like cold clinical like 19th century like logic and technology approach that like there's a bit of a rejection of that whole just like have your imagination being a kid and i think that the fact that the the emerald city you know got destroyed and oz oz has been sort of put to ruins and She's, she's got to reacquaint herself with a new group of people. Like it's not just resting on the laurels of this is, this is an escape. Like she's there sort of with like a very clear cut goal, you know, in the way that she, she isn't to the same extent in the first movie. And I feel like that's communicating something about what part of her life Dorothy is in. And then also mm -hmm. the, the way that she treats everything with a certain like gravitas and, and seriousness feels like beyond her years in a way that maybe we're approaching like a transition out of childhood. And I think yeah. maybe that's the thing that makes the, the ending of the movie hurt. I like think when, you. when she's leaving and she's like, like, Oh wait, I have to leave already. Like I haven't had the chance to say goodbye. I haven't had a chance to do. I'm getting sad. Just thinking about it. Like genuinely, it makes me so sad. Um, like just, she doesn't get, the opportunity and like this responsibility has sort of been put before her in lieu of that. So I think that dark tone sort of communicates it and also just that it's more about like a transition as a child than sort of just an escape is like, cool, it's a kid and I'm fucking around in a weird yeah. way. I think Dorothy's also more sure of herself in this movie than she is in the original for the most part. And <laughs> almost to a degree that I find comical how she's how she goes to Oz once and now all of a sudden she knows what every fucking thing is. I like that. She's like, oh yeah, yeah the Gnome King's Mountain. She didn't even know who the Gnome King was earlier. Like Lunch Pale Tree, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's very funny how all of a sudden she just fucking knows everything. She's like, Oh yeah, this is the deadly desert. Kid, the kids I, do I that say, shit, Gnome King Mountain, I think she could just figure out the the big scary mountain is where the Num King is. 
I don't know. There's like several mountains in Oz. The, and, I, and, and also she Mount wasn't Fuji. And she was told that the Gnome King is in the Gnome King's mountain. She didn't yeah. say that herself. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like that's just uh, that. These, there's lots of little examples of this that just kind of made me chuckle. But Fair um, enough. I, 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 um, yeah. But that's that's not like a like a, a criticism. Or no, zero out of ten. <laughs> bad movie. I love when she starts meeting other characters. Like her introductory scene with the tick. I, I keep on wanting to say the TikTok man. That's Jason Manzukas's character in uh, Jump <laughs> Week Three. Yeah, but um, TikTok. TikTok Mr. Wick. When she meets Chaz. When she meets Chaz, <laughs> um, just that very like sort of polite society conversation they have, where she's just like like first of all something that I love in Feruza Bulk's performance, every time she's talking to somebody who has like a degree of importance, when she introduces herself and answers, she does a little fucking curtsy <laughs> every time. Yeah, and it's incredible. It's love it. It's extremely cute, but um, no, just I think part of what Mitch is saying with like that confidence and like surety and how it goes with like the rest of the tone, but like she's very like polite and like demure about the whole thing in an interesting way where they're just like, hey, like, what's your deal? Oh, you're the TikTok man. May I wind you up uh, so all your shit works? And he's like, well, yes, of course. And then they just sort of have like very sort of I love his voice. Yeah, his voice is cool. But yeah, like the way she approaches it, it doesn't feel super childish. But at the same time, I don't I don't say that like as like childish as a pejorative because in very in a lot of other ways she's still very much is just a kid in a high stress situation. Um she's just you know very empathetic and aware. Yeah. And uh it would be great if she wasn't having to listen to that fucking chicken all the time. I think the chicken is the most annoying character in the movie. That's fair. I had forgotten Belina was a character, even though I'd read the book she was in. God, there's so much of it. There's so much chicken. I will say, uh, I I read, I told, I said what the titles of the two books this is based on are. I didn't read their full titles because a lot of the Oz books have, uh, on the cover have like one title, like the ones I said, but on the inside, there's like a very, very long title. Uh, and I think that was sort of one of Al Frank Baum's sort of quirks. So the full title of the second book that of the uh, of this is based on books two and three. Book two is called "The Marvelous Land of Oz," being an account of the further adventures of the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman. Uh, so that's one of the books this is based on, and the other is He's one of those guys. And and the other one is Ozma of Oz, a record of her adventures with Dorothy Gale of Kansas, Belina the Yellow Hen, the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodman, the Cowardly Lion, and the Hungry Tiger, besides other good people too numerous to mention, faithfully recorded here. It. I kind of love awesome. that. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> that's title. really cool. In fact, that should have been the name of this movie. For I want to see that poster. Yeah, it made more money. Yeah, absolutely. Belina the Yellow Hen is in this. <laughs> yeah. Fuck! Oh shit! Just, just like scouring the billing block. Bolina, 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 bolina. Ah, but, but yeah. I mean, and, and most of them have really long titles like that, like uh, "The Road to Oz," in which it is related how Dorothy Gale of Kansas, the Shaggy Man, Button Bright, and Polychrome, the Rainbow's Daughter, met on an enchanted road and followed all the way to the marvelous land of Oz. Button Brian. Button Bright. Oh. <laughs> Rinky Tink in Oz, wherein is recorded the perilous quest of Prince Inca of Pingaree and King Rinky Tink in the magical isles that lie beyond the borderland of Oz. Dang. Hold on, is Oz like a continent? 
Are there like these are other places? <laughs> there are other places in the books. Yes. In fact, also in fact, Ozma of Oz. Uh, instead of Dorothy returning to Oz, it's Dorothy ending up in the land of Ev and trying to get back to Oz. Why is it that this particular era of fantasy, I guess like pre-Tolkien fantasy, always has the stupidest like child gibberish names for things? Right. The Rinky Tink Man went to the Guga place and he found the Butt Butt King, and it's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that like, is a, a bomb thing. I think also it should be mentioned. I believe uh, Liam, you mentioned looking for the suicide thing in the original MGM movie, right? Oh yeah. Uh, it is a plot point. I forgot about this. It is a plot point in Ozma of Oz, a record of her adventures with Dorothy Gale. Blah 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 blah. blah. Uh, it is a it is a plot point that since it, it is sort of the main bones of that story are in this, but instead of Dorothy returning to Oz, it's Dorothy wanting up in the land of Ev, like I said. But when she goes there, it's it, it, she finds that there is no one currently in charge because the king committed suicide after selling his family to the gnome king. Wow. It's actually technically regicide because he was king. That's You know what? Very true. Self-regicide. If, uh, I taught, if Halo taught me anything. <laughs> fair enough. It's the word regicide hell yeah um man this whole movie's good it's really good this whole movie's good man i don't even know like where to go there's probably there's more good. stuff to talk about i think well here's here's what we should talk you about. know we got more i'm not saying we're done i know, I'm just, I know. Saying, I'm just like, like we've talked a bit about the stop motion but i think we have to specifically shout out will vinton will vinton studios will vinton a, a stop motion legend will vinton coins the term claymation that is important to note he's he he's the guy who gave it that name. He uh he he he's he's famous for a lot of claymation stuff. The the thing I best knew him from was uh what's that movie called? The Adventures of Mark Twain, which is a stop motion movie uh that that is uh also famous for being terrifying. And what before I knew oh, Wolf fuck, I've movie, seen that movie. Yes. That yeah, movie's yeah, holy shit. That movie Forgot is famous for a scene where the main characters meet death that is Fucking terrifying, even now. I recommend looking that up at least. It's a great scene. Uh, and it, and it's just it uses claymation to such an effect where it's just so spooky. And and having just seen that and uh, not knowing that Wolf Vincent worked on this, I was like, this is really giving me vibes of that Mark Twain movie when I was looking at the stop motion in this. And then I saw the credits and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I will say, uh, I think nice supplemental viewing for this is there's a video on YouTube that was published in like uh, just a couple of years ago that was made by one of the animators on this movie. This guy, Doug Aberly, who worked at Wolfington Studios, he he made a little like 20 minute documentary about like his work on on the stop motion on that movie called I Killed the Gnome King. He talks to Will Vinton and it's very interesting. And it go, it's like it goes into a lot of the details of how the different effects were made, were, were done. It's, it's, I'd love to know because that no messenger on the wall with the face that it just is shifts. Maybe the most impressive claymation I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. Like I was in awe every time and I don't I don't understand how they possibly could have made the it. way the little he only talks about it for a bit in the video, but he does talk about it since he didn't do it. He talks about he, but he does mention, oh, yeah, this one guy did that, and it was very complicated because it's all the different – my favorite bit is that you, the way you see the different, like, layers of the rock shift so, like, yeah. smoothly. It's – my favorite is when the Gnome King yells at him and you see his face go, like, go all wobbly, like <laughs> – Oh, it's the best. 
It is awesome. I thought it was such a great narrative function too. Yes. It'll occasionally cut to the the face on the wall. Yeah, and and it's just the the rock talking to the gnome king, but you don't see the gnome king and and uh, giving him updates as to where Dorothy is. And so it it kept things tense and and interesting yeah. and mysterious. Um, and for it to be that stop motion technique that's so different to everything else in the movie, it made it feel extra. Um, you know, impactful, extra, extra big. It felt like this was leading to something pretty, pretty great. And then when we do see the Gnome King, yeah. I think it is such a great payoff. Like you guys were it saying, really the way he's changing and developing into a human from the rock. It's so cool. It's so cool. I, I, I'm, I'll definitely rewatch those movies probably soon. Just at least just to see the stop motion shit again. It's so, it's I, so good. Yeah, I was in awe. Like, and those effects were. Uh, the effects work is incredible, but then the way that communicates through like the costuming as well. Like if we want to talk about the Gnome King transformation stuff at the end, like the way that they stage him down from literal animated face in a wall to almost entirely human man, like those mm-hmm. phases of changing where it becomes more sort of like limbs appear and like things go from like prosthetic or like set to like costume and the way those shifts are communicated and again silently like you just have to visually just be like well he looks different what's his play it's so cool yeah. and i appreciate that the movie doesn't feel compelled to have to explain what he's doing absolutely like, it, it will visually communicate it for starters and maybe i'm not giving movies enough credit for frequently not doing that but i feel like a movie now would have already said like the Gnome King wants to become a human man and do the whatever the fuck. And they yeah. would have said that at, at like the 20 minute mark. Yeah. What I love it. Yeah. You just see it happen. And there's one quick line where he says to mom be like, oh, yeah, once once they're all ornaments, then I'll be human. And he just says that very casually. And then we're back to just cool effect. Yeah. Well, and and also, like, it doesn't matter why. Like, it's like, sure. Yeah. OK, it's just cool. I, yeah. It's the same thing when you walk past. First of all, just a fucked up image is when Dorothy is sort of stepping through before the wheelers arrive and mm. is sort of seeing these like blasted out ruins and there's yeah. those dancing, singing now stone statues that have no heads and you're just like, well, that's a fucked up visual because she's walking through and it's very quiet and she looks very small relative to all of this. But then yeah. when mommy just has like like a hallway of heads, you're like, she took the heads. Yeah, the movie does eventually say it, but at first, like your brain just goes, you just put it she together. took those fucking heads. And it's just like, it's so cool and it's so fucking out there. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite sequence in the movie. And was, mine too. Uh, the whole I, head stuff. I love the bit so where she's cool. playing the mandolin too. That's great. Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's fucking scary. shredding that mandolin, dude. I'm gonna like show this movie to my little sister. Like, like I, I, I should have watched it with her initially, honestly, because I know she'd love yeah. it. Yeah, and, and, and my main time to traumatize a child. Yeah. Well, she, she, she can fucking take it. She watched me watch part of Halloween and was like, "This is interesting," even though she, her, even though my mom doesn't let her watch horror movies. Take that, Ryan's mom. <laughs> but also, she's about to turn thirteen, and I, I've been allowed to show her Evil Dead too, and I'm very excited. Uh, but but anyways, uh, yeah, my main takeaway from this is honestly, the first thing I thought after I finished was I wish I had seen this as a kid. I, I think I I would have fucking loved this movie and I would have watched it all the time. It would have scared me, but it would have been on a Willy Wonka level where it scared me, but not enough for, for me to not want to watch it. I really think so. And and it's it's just oh, I, those effects are always so amazing, already so amazing that I can only imagine 
to like a kid who can't even like discern what type of effects are. I think you watch that and it's like, oh, the Gnome King's real. That's just a real thing. That's just rock. Rocks can talk. Yeah, rocks can talk. It's interesting that you talk about the effects of that because one of the things that I read online is that a lot of people were not blown away with the effects uh, at the time that it came out. Um, Which people are wrong. (laughs) Yeah, like I think in the 80s there were definitely movies that had more impressive special effects, but but not like with this kind of a scope or doing what this movie is trying to do and incorporating fantasy in this kind of a way. Yeah. Um, so I'm I really like the special effects, and even though they look kind of rough around the edges, maybe in some places for the time. Not, in, but not in a way that's bad. Not in a way that's like overly bad. But I, I, he's I think made I of think rocks. Of even if it is rough, rough, it's charming. <laughs> um, so yeah, I this yeah. movie, you guys, how much money do you think this movie made? If you looked it up, don't say it. I know it's not a lot, but I'm not I'm not gonna look. Can you tell me what the budget was? Yes, I can. It was it was twenty eight million dollars. Okay, I think I remember. Was it? Did, okay. it, make, did it make eleven million dollars? I was going to say fourteen. Guesses? My guess is fourteen. Yeah, yeah, I would guess like ten. Eleven point one. Okay. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. less than less than half of its budget. Almost, almost like a quarter of its budget. And why like, is that? I don't fucking I, I know. know. It, it received bad notices from critics, which. In those days, Weird. meant a lot more than it does now. But Neil Gaiman apparently wrote a, a glowing review at the time. Wow, which would he have been like a kid, sense. like a teenager? I think he was just a yeah, like a young writer doing freelance work. Yeah, oh, I did cool. watch a- Neil Gaiman called it one of the very best fantasy films I've ever seen. A Hell lot yeah. of the negative reviews thought it was too like creepy and weird and like scary for kids, and I was like, you guys That's are just what's great fucking about babies. I, I saw you guys are just babies. And Ebert laying into it. Uh, and they both hated it. Interesting. Yeah, well, they're surprised because they're when they're wrong, wrong, they're so wrong. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But also, when they're wrong, I love it. Like that's what I love about Siskel and Ebert. Like, like course, how yeah. they loved Space Jam, and we're saying like Michael Jordan has a lot of promise as a movie star. Dorothy's friends are as weird as her enemies, which is faithful to the original Oz books, but turns out not to be a virtue on film. What? Where where the eerie uh-huh. has a tendency to remain eerie, no matter how often we're told it's not. Is it, this from, is Siskel's notice, right? No, that comes from Jay Scott. Okay. Okay. Um, but just like that is a prevailing sentiment. The, I the, cannot the, the characters we're why. supposed to root for are too weird. Like it's just weird and, f- and like kind of fucked up for kids. And it's just like somebody described it as, quote, a horror show flying under the banner <laughs> of family entertainment. So that, people are so that's weird. a great it's way like, of putting it, but I don't agree. It's like <laughs> you guys, are, like you guys are just fucking cowards. Also, like, at that time, I don't think people had as much appreciation for effects. Like when I was going through all the John Carpenter movies and I was looking at reviews, a lot of reviews at the time would always be, "Jesus, man, cool it with the special effects. Come on, we get it. Where's the character? Where's the story?" Like. Like I, th- I think it's that kind of thing where it's like back when these effects were the norm, a lot of people would be like, "Who? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think there just wasn't as much appreciation as there is now." Yeah, I think it was like the first sort of wave of a pushback against special effects that happened then. I, where, I think it where, happened at the wrong if time. Movie, if a movie was a special effects movie, people turned up their noses at it a lot. In but a I lot think of cases. this um, movie does have the characters. That's absolutely the thing that's fucking frustrating. The thing that I don't get is like I don't see how. You watch it, and first of all, again, Dorothy, just to be unequivocally mm-hmm. clear, is incredible. Yes, yeah. This is such a nuanced, like interesting, weird, transitory period, like mature interpretation of this. And then the Gnome King, again, exceptional. 
And like, okay, are you her companions flushed out? The supporting are her, cast are her companions weird? Yeah, okay, sure. Like, not everybody that's in the movie has to be like this. It's like, us. Bi- this biblical length backstory, like. Yeah, man, it's a fucking robot guy but who's not like, like relatable or humanized. I yeah, think and it's like, the, yeah, it's the, I've also never way, been to Oz. It's <laughs> not relatable. It's fine. It's all like, like but... I, this woman doesn't have heads. Like, fucking get over it. Like, I think yeah. people are just kind of focusing on so the weird. wrong kind of thing, or it's like, see, I like, don't, take I don't what the... you're being shown and, like, yeah appreciate that absolutely i just don't know like if like weirdness or, or or like that sort of charm is maybe enough to 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 keep some viewers involved i, f- I felt like in certain points in my viewing experience i found that to be a bit like um grading after a while but like I, I still like like most of the characters except for jack but uh <laughs> otherwise uh it's good with me i i guess i just find it kind of stupid that like in the decade where at the beginning of it like new wave was like the most popular genre of music and that's just like a bunch of fucked up funny looking guys right doing like like (laughs) weird avant-garde synth pop freak show shit to then tell me that return to oz is too weird yeah like fuck off prevailing popular culture was that (laughs) like shut up like like it was either that or you were just ronald reagan like those are your only two options. <laughs> I will. I will say. I think it should be pointed out. This movie was at least nominated for best visual effects at the Oscars that year. That's good. It should. What have did been. it lose to? I, I will. I will say. Do you want to guess? Nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. There are two other movies uh, that year that were nominated. One. I think a fairly, a fairly at uh, least liked movie. It's I've never seen it, but I've always heard good things. And the other is a movie that I think its only legacy was it. It did a specific kind of effect, basically for the first time. I have no idea. I can just say if you don't, if you, if it's too hard to guess, uh, it's uh, the the other nominee that didn't win was uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, which was which was one of the first uses of CGI. Uh, oh I, yeah, I wasn't gonna get that. Yeah, famous for the stained glass man, which is like the first sort of CGI character in 1995. Right. Uh, and the movie that won was Cocoon. I I, I don't even know. I haven't what seen either of the effects movies. Cocoon would have. I mean, I guess the effects of them getting younger. I, I've never seen Cocoon. I think Return to Oz should have won. Yeah, like this just for the stop motion alone. Like it's just yeah, like it's like, genuinely some of the best effects I feel like I've ever seen. It's, period like just full stop yeah i mean um i i could watch i could watch just like gnome king and the gnome messenger footage for like hours even just the effect of the wheeler turning to sand oh yeah that is such a simple effect because it's just obviously a hard cut to a little sand sculpture that collapses but it's so effective it's really good um the music in this movie goes absolutely wild <laughs> yeah i love the music in this movie mm. first for some of it just being like funny big round guy walk around tuba music Ugh. uh like goofy like a carnival ass music good but some of it just i don't even know how to articulate it well but some of it's just really like thrilling listening like yeah. i feel like in the palace when she's fucking around with mombi there's a lot of like musical highlights in there 
it, it is ridiculous how much they like how much the money comes up on the screen in this film. Like when you're oh, they spend every fucking dollar absolutely, or in the treasure room, or, or inside uh, of of like Oz or anything, the money all shows up on the screen. Like it's some really incredible set work. You can some tell really lavish castles that almost look like yeah. Versailles. Like it's crazy. You can tell um, Walter Murch knew how to stretch a budget. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's in those days that would have still been a pretty sizable budget. Absolutely, but not, but they really not use the biggest. It. But yeah, and then even like when she goes through the the gnome king's like jewel vision, oh. she's like floating like the black hole movie. I, um, I love I love effects like that pre CGI. It They're feels so like fun. the red shoes. Like um, yeah, it's very reminiscent of those Powell and Pressburger Technicolor movies from the from yeah. the thirties and forties. Um, and I guess by extension, the Wizard of Oz too kind of has stuff like that, like in the original thirty-nine version. Right. Um, so I really like to see that because it doesn't feel like it belongs in a movie from the eighties. It feels very much more nostalgic, and I think that that's really um, nice to see in this movie. Hell yeah! Fitting anyway. Um, another thing that I find unique is how the climax of the movie is not an action sequence. Yeah. Like it is really at the like very that. end, but like the, the way the narrative like crescendos and then you get like the falling action. If you were to like plot chart, it is a discussion that she has with one other person. Yeah. With a great man wearing high heels. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, uh, having to find the right ornament. But the fact that like, she just has a discussion about, what the importance of the people in her life have to her and that she's willing to sort of make sacrificial choices again speaking quite highly of somebody who's so young yeah um and just sort of like very like maturely almost demurely kind of just says like yeah i'm here because i want to help the scarecrow and like that's just it and yeah like i want to help my friends because they're my friends and i care and the fact that he doesn't sort of laugh in her face right like his reaction is just like, oh, well, that's commendable. I mean, it runs against my goals, so I'm going to try to not let you do that. But, <laughs> right. you know, he he treats her like a person, you know, and they, they just kind of discuss it, which for a kid's movie where I think studio executives' biggest question are going to be, is this keeping a kid's attention? Is this kid going to get bored? I think it's a pretty big swing to have the climax of the movie up until the egg thing right. be so reserved. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that was when really I was point. like hooting and hollering, like this is this fucking rules that this is the climax. Yeah. Well, they also knew, I think that they had two great performers in there. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, just let them go. Absolutely. Uh, that was, that was the part that kind of, um, I wish it had amounted to more on screen. Like I, th- I thought I didn't realize that the ornament thing was so close to the end. I like that idea. And I love how, um, that's fair. I knew it was hears... because it was from the books. But... Oh, right. Yeah. I, I love how she hears each of her friends getting turned into ornaments like off yeah. screen. It's fucked up. Um, it's really, I, th- I could see that traumatizing. They do I also a lot of like... fucked up off screen sort of yeah. just shouting, like, like even yeah. in the mental institution when the power goes out, and then you just hear everybody moaning from like yeah. the bowels of this gothic castle. Yeah. I also really like that we don't see what happens to them when they get turned into ornaments. Like yeah. I think it's so much more impactful to just hear it and then have this child like only sort of acknowledge it because right. she's like it, like getting her game face on basically like 
it's just such an interesting approach that I feel like, you know, I'm not watching a lot of kids movies right now on a regular basis, but I feel like I'm not familiar with a movie in recent years that has done that kind of approach to the way that it ends. I feel like everything is sort of going the big blue laser shines in the sky and everybody fights kind of direction. <laughs> like, right. And maybe I'm being reductive. I'd have to see more, but in general, I just think it's a novel approach though. I can see why it does sort of feel like it just sort of happens very quickly. But I also think that there's maybe something to be said for the fact that I don't think Dorothy's preoccupation was with like having a fight, maybe fights the wrong word, but having a confrontation with the gnome King. And I think that, it's focus not being very, very directly on that kind of is, is an interesting approach again, because it's just, it's more foundationally just about like Dorothy's relationship to this place and what it means to her to go back now, because she had spent so long in the meantime, sort of not being, not having that part of like her, her life and what she knows acknowledged. So then to get it, I think the whole process is just, wanting to do her best by the people there, but also just getting that experience again, which again is what I think what fucked me up about the ending. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the part that really got me is just when, 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 when she's like, he never stole the emeralds. They were there when he came. And she like, keeps yeah, saying like that. she's trying to like reason with him. Like, it's Hey so, man, he didn't, so he didn't like, do Aw. it. She's so good. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I loved her as an actress, and I, I think she really plays that whole ornament scene really well, and I, yeah. I loved the scene. I think it's a great adventure scene. I just, um, I, I wish that more came after it. In particular, I, I, don't, I don't understand the egg thing. That's from the books. It's just sort of a, 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 an L. Frank Baumism of like, a sort of whimsical, ooh, the gnomes are allergic to eggs, and that's how they die. That's just what it is. That was how and- it was in the books. It's sort of meant to be a sort of silly fantasy thing yeah i think it's just meant to be like kind of funny that all it takes is an egg yeah exactly uh and the fact that they've spent the whole movie saying like the gnome messenger is like a chicken like like hey does it she still have that fucking chicken oh they're terrified of this fucking chicken they're asking because they're scared of the eggs I didn't. I didn't put that together. I like it now. That's yeah, fucking that's awesome. Why, yeah, he just keeps going. Like, <laughs> fuck, he just keeps going about like, it. But like, so, does, so does she still have that fucking chicken, bro? That's what I love when the messenger's like, "Oh, she, she has a chicken with her. It's gonna kill me, bro." Dude, I didn't. Bro, this this movie. This movie's a ten out of ten, bro. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's awesome. And that's why it's so great when you see all the guys pop out of the wall and they're like, "Poison, poison," because eggs yeah, are poison. That's really cool. And I also, I was initially a bit underwhelmed at the fact that, um, I think it was Scarecrow first had been turned into the green emerald. Like, I didn't understand the significance, but now I think it's, I think I like that it's color coded. I like that it's a reference to like the city that he destroyed. He's turning things into, into emeralds. And it's like a, it's like a, um, a bastardization of, of emeralds used to be beauty and life and, and symbolize this, this, uh, this um, lively population, and now he's he's turning people, he's taking away people's lives with the emerald. Really so good. I think it's awesome. Ugh. Damn! So I'm gonna watch this movie again. For oh, sure. me too, me too. I got to see if they have like a a Blu-ray or something. I would love to hear more about this movie. Absolutely. My gosh. Um, and it I think on, I'm I'm glad it is on it is on Disney Plus. Like that feels yes. like a movie they could very easily not put on there. Yeah, and I think it'll just it'll continue to have a life. I think this is sort of a a case of uh, you know you don't dig it, but you're not ready for it. But your kids will love it, and yeah, I, I, it's a shame that it got some mixed reviews. But I also I think it might just be one of those cases of 
there were just other movies around the time. Maybe it got released at the wrong time of year. I read somewhere that um, a studio, like people who worked at a studio, got switched around while it was being made, and so the right. people who, who took Merch was briefly those fired. people's jobs. Yeah, I heard about that too. And uh, I guess people, uh, there were switches at the studio, and so people who got into the the new positions um, d- weren't as interested in the movie, and so they just put it out without with a little marketing and stuff. So there could be all sorts of reasons the movie didn't do well, but I think it's yeah. awesome that it's built up a following now. I will say, fun fact. So obviously, Walter Munch was briefly fired, but then brought back on. But do you know who offered to step in if Walter Munch... Uh, got too difficult for the studio and they kicked him and they had to kick him off again. Do you know who offered? No, to, I don't. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Spielberg. Uh, close. Uh, Mr. George Lucas. That's what I said. Oh, Mitch was right. Mitch did say oh, I, George I, Lucas. I didn't hear him. Okay. That's uh, great. Yeah. We're practically on top of each other. I got, I gotcha. I just heard Spielberg. Uh, uh dude, dude, the George Lucas version of this movie would be absolutely fucked. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to see how he does the dumb kick. But yeah, I think I I, I don't know if the George, I love I, I love George Lucas. I don't know if that would be better. It's a it is a worse movie, but it it would still make interesting choices. Absolutely. But it's definitely worse. I think so. Like ob- in that objective sense, whatever that means, like it's probably yeah. worse. I feel like it would be giving early S- Star Wars special edition. Absolutely, I will say. Uh, the Wilvin uh, the Wilvin Studios uh, later on. Uh, Will, Will, Will Vinton uh, eventually lost control of Will Vinton Studios, even though it still had his name, because uh, by, basically in the 90s, the, the studio had gotten big enough where they had outside investors, including Nike founder Phil Knight uh, and his son, Travis Knight, who was an animator there. Uh, but eventually, Tra- uh, Phil Knight became the, ma- the majority shareholder and uh, and and. Wolverton like ran out of mu- ran out of funds and all that, so he was eventually kicked out, and 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 sued for ownership of his name. And because Wolverton sued, they changed the name from Wolverton Studios to Leica. No, f- really? Yeah. Wow. It's the same fucking studio. Yeah. Damn. Isn't that crazy? That was a great reveal. And the good reason job waiting two hours to say that that and was the, good. <laughs> yes, I, I've always found this very interesting. And the reason. Like uh, like uh, wow. uh, make so many movies, even if they're, they're not all big hits. And the reason they were able to keep making movies is because of Nike money. Because 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 Phil Knight is, is they still get all the money from Phil Knight, and Travis Knight is like the main guy at Leica. They 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 have they have the money from Nike to keep making movies, and every Leica movie has a tie-in Nike shoe. So I could buy like Coraline shoes. Yeah, I think they're very expensive. They're like very like detailed. Expense. I'm pretty sure they're pretty expensive. But but yes, there are there's Coraline sneakers, Missing Link, Box Trolls, all that. Kubo. Finally, I can buy Missing Link shoes. I've been waiting. People have been fucking clamoring for this. They were like, Joe, we don't need student debt relief. We all need Missing Link Air Force Ones. Uh, but yeah, I I I I've always I'm a big animation nerd and i've always thought that was very interesting so i'm I'm glad i'm glad i waited this long to to drop that little nugget but but yeah god what a good movie what a good movie i'm so i'm so glad this movie was just we just it was nice that we just you know we were a bit contentious last time i didn't like the movie as much as you guys we got a little little heated this was just this is just fun 
this is a, f- a good movie, and we had fun talking about a good movie. Yeah, speak yeah. for yourself. Hey, what's that? To- hey, what's that <laughs> supposed to mean? <laughs> Mitch, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. Mitch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I like how this like we're all so pleased that it goes against our planned bit. There is I know, no right? convenient way. I think there we were going no to do more of this, but we just had too much fun talking about the movie. The movie's just too good, so our bit dies on the vine. <laughs> uh, also, uh, this episode comes out on September 28th. Right. Uh, this is a pre-Halloween movie. True. Uh, Pre-Halloween times. So I'm thinking... Is this is this like a go to September movie? Like, is this like it's did we Halloween hit it right adjacent. at the right? It's Halloween adjacent. It's kind of well, scary. They say in there the movie though guy. that it's almost there's a pumpkin guy, but she says in the movie that it's almost Halloween. This movie does have good Halloween September yet. vibes. Yeah, I'd say it's September vibes. It's got that s- September sadness. <laughs> yeah, it's that sort of the pre-sad sad. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Also, we are recording this on September 21st, so here's two seconds of that song. Yes. Okay, I'll edit that in. Yeah, Ryan, actually, do you just want to make it with your mouth for two Uh, seconds? You just want to, like... Okay. uh, Perfect. Everybody knows what it is. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Um... Is there anything else about the movie that we have not managed to say yet that somebody is sitting in their seat just vibrating with rage being like, hey, we have to say this before we go. Well, Everybody forgot to talk about. It did have Belina the Yellow Hand in it. It did. Uh, I don't think there's anything. I'm sure there's something I'll think about once we're done. But but no, I, I think we covered all the all the big stuff. This movie's really good. I, I guess we should say I was very excited when looking at the cast list that I saw that Deep Roy was the puppeteer on the Tin Man. And even though I like that the the those characters in the original movie aren't in the movie much because it focuses on the new guys, I will I will say I love Deep Roy and I, I, I always like it when movies use Deep Roy more. But that's okay. Also, fun fact, Deep Roy was also the puppeteer for Droopy McCool in Star Wars. For who? Droopy McCool. He's one of the members of the Max Rebo band. He looks oh, like, I didn't know that. He looks like a penis. Okay. The only I think I can only name Max Rebo of, of his band because he's the Blue Elephant Man. Right. I assume we all know what genre of music they played, though, right? Yeah. Come music. Yeah. Come music. <laughs> I I saw someone on Twitter a while ago finding out that jazz in Star Wars <laughs> is called jizz for the first time, and it was so funny. It's so fucking stupid. I here's the thing. I knew that Star Wars jazz was called jizz before I knew what jizz was. Like the f- human body thing. I, I I knew. I think I knew. I, yeah. I, I just like. I was like probably like ten, and I just and I saw someone joking. Oh, it's called jizz. And I was like, yeah, that's a funny name. And then maybe a year later, I learned that jizz meant uh, semen and ejaculate. Dude. So I'm picturing you just being like, man, the doctor that named jizz was a huge Star Wars fan, <laughs> right? Like that's. Oh uh, yes, the clinical term jizz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The t- <laughs> you, you go to the doctor you're like doc. My jizz is all fucked up. <laughs> he, write, he writes down his clipboard, fucked up jizz. <laughs> fucked up semen, all that jizz. What? <laughs> um, I, actually, there is a... 
one thing that we haven't addressed that okay. maybe we ought to. The look of Oz at the end when it goes full Oz. How do we like that? Good. Or Emerald City, I should say, because yeah. Oz is a big place. It's a diverse location. The Emerald City, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I will say, go just for a second, touching on the scene where we first see like a ruined, fucked up Emerald City. I think that's one scene that really works on your knowledge of the original because you think of it as such a beautiful, colorful, magical place. You think, oh, we're getting the Emerald City. I know what the Emerald City looks like. And you and you go and this is like fucking ravaged, no color. Everyone, Everything's fucked up. There's like trash everywhere. It's really effective. But But yeah. Yeah, I really liked it too. I liked that it it wasn't it didn't seem like it was trying to replicate the way it looked in the original, but it just felt distinct from the way it, it looked it. prior in this movie. And yeah, yes. and it, it evoked it. And I think if it if the designs had been spot on to how they look in the original, I think that it would feel more uh, a bit too uh, glub shitty o. Get glub shit uh, And also yeah. MGM probably would have sued. Yeah, yeah, but I think it kind of worked out in this in this way. I like yeah. that the lion looks different. I like that the Tin Man looks different. It just kind of fits into this this world Absolutely. a bit better, I think. And but then no other Oz adaptation has really had the courage, uh, pun, no pun intended, the cur- the courage to do that. And usually they just just try to go off your knowledge of the original movie. And I like that this movie doesn't really only does that in like clever ways. Yeah. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten more. I know like Wicked is big. And we're, and we're getting that, the two wicked movies, which are going to be huge, obviously. But I'm surprised that we haven't gotten more Wizard of Oz stuff. Like nobody has tried to like, yeah. And this is it is in the public domain. On that, yeah, has like, been for a long time. I mean, I guess we also got um, the Wiz, right? The Wiz, the Wiz, yeah. Nilo yeah. the Wiz, which I, I is technically eligible for this podcast, right? That'd be an interesting movie to cover. That would be yeah, cool. It would yeah. Be, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've. It's I've, a fascinating movie. I've men- I've seen it mentioned, right? So yes, written, directed like, by Sidney Lumet, written by Joel Schumacher. I love Sidney Lumet. I I own his book. Yeah. It's sort. I think it's considered yeah. kind of the black sheep of his filmography, but I think it's really interesting. It's yeah. one of those things where we've talked about Captain EO enough that we need to watch something with Michael Jackson in it. That's fair. So, it's either that or do an episode on the Moonwalker Sega Genesis game. Neil would probably do that. Improbable. <laughs> Um. All right. Is that is that a, it. putting a pin in the return yeah, of Oz? I think everybody should out. watch it. Absolutely. Also, uh, I can't wait for you guys. This is the, obviously the start of Oz month. Uh, next week, you're going to do <laughs> Legend of Oz: Dorothy, Dorothy's Return. Next yeah. week, you're going to do uh, Oz: The Great and Powerful, and you're going to cap it all off with Sidney Lumet's The Wiz. That's right, Oztober. Absolutely. Dude, we, sh- we should have fucking done Oztober. That would have been good, that's, right? That's real. That's a really funny idea that I wish we weren't yeah. having right now. Dude, I would. <laughs> Absolutely. I would have. I would have sat out the episode, podcast. Release it at the end of October and, and 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 quick record record three other Oz episodes today. I mean, like it is catchy Oztober, but it would feel wrong to not exclusively watch horror. Films you know what else we can call it? Actually, there's. I have a better name for it. What? O- Ozfest. Nobody's using that. <laughs> God damn it. I would I would do Ozfest in like February or something, but I I I would draw the line. Only cover at- sequels and remakes and reboots that have Ozzy Osbourne in them, like Trolls World Tour. <laughs> what we have well, to do first, though, is we have to do another Animal Month. Ooh. Yeah. Corey loves Animal Month. 
We've only done it once. Do it I again. made a whole sounder for it. Uh, There's animals in uh, The Wizard of Oz. And it's famously works famously. <laughs> it's got sort of their whole deal over there. Yeah. Um. So we're not doing Oz stuff next, but uh, Ryan, first you did want to oh, let yes. us know whenever you return from whence you came to us back to the podcast. When you go back to Oz and then come back here from Oz, uh, you already know what you'd like to cover. Absolutely. What is that? I I I I briefly mentioned this on my last appearance. I've talked to Corey about this multiple times now. This is a movie that means a lot to me, a movie that is tied to a TV show that means a lot to me. Uh, seeing this movie in theaters with a friend of mine was a really important moment for me uh, in many ways. Uh, it's a movie that I don't think you ever would have covered on your own. And I think if you did, you wouldn't really do it justice. Uh, and, and I'm all, also a bit of a just coup. coming for our necks. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's fine. Uh, it, it's also a bit of a coup that I could come on to do this because one of your past guests did a voice on the show this movie is uh, tied into, but fuck him. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jason DeLine, if you're listening to this. Jason DeLine, of course, played Rainbow Dash's dad in an episode of My Little Pony, and I will be coming back to talk about the 2017 My Little Pony movie. We're doing it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think it's high time that I figured out what the fuck the deal with that show is. You're so. gonna, and I hope you don't hate it. Does that movie have a sequel? Uh, it has a no, it has a different movie that is not a sequel to it. That was it's a it's a CGI instead of 2D. It's a CGI movie that starts the new generation of My Little Pony because it like 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 a lot of like, sort of toy things. My Little Pony is like separating the generations. I could go on for hours about this. And, uh, and, and this is a teaser for what you'll get on the MLP episode. Uh, the the separate generations. The yes, there's Gen Gen One, Gen Two, Gen Three, Gen Four, and and Gen Four was at My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, the very successful show you are all familiar with that this movie is tied into. Uh, but obviously things come to an end. So after season nine, that show was done. So they start a new generation, and they decided to kick it off with a movie that was originally going to be in theaters, but then went to Netflix with the pandemic and all that. And it's sort of doing the same sort of art style as Friendship is Magic, but in three D. Uh, and it's called My Little Pony, A New Generation. And it has celebrity voices like Ken Jeong, James Marsden, Liza Koshy, Vanessa Hudgens, uh, I believe. Uh, and and I, have, I still have yet to watch it. I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, but it kicked off A New Generation. And, and then there's, there's a new show that is a CGI show that doesn't look as good with a bunch of voice actors doing impressions of all those celebrities. And I have not watched it. And I hear it's not really worth watching. But yes, there you go. There's your explanation. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm stoked. I was just curious because um, not because I don't think the first one fits, but I just figured that it was so popular that it, it had to have had a second one. Yeah, um, the, the the other movie was just starting the new gener- generation because we were already the, the movie was between seasons uh seven and eight, so we were already nearing the end at that point. I think we this is also something where you fudge the numbers because it's like My Little Pony has been around for like forty years. Yes, this version of My Little Pony had been around since 2010. But yeah, but I'm up. He had been around since like the eighties. Cool. So it's one of those like we shrug and we go, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's based on of. I think if it's based on a TV show and that TV show is like the Force TV show in a line of TV shows, and and that TV show is based on a fucking toy, it has to fit, right? Yeah, I think it counts. I'm down. I'm excited to talk about something that's so special to you. It'll Thank cool. you. I, I hope you guys don't hate it. I well, really like it. I, I, I can't make any movie. promises, but. Uh... We'll have to see. 
What what'd you what'd you say, Mitch? I said I can't make any promises. <laughs> we'll have to see. Also, it's a musical, and I like talking about musicals. I do love musicals. Then good. I think this movie has very good songs. Oh. We have had an impeccable hit rate with musicals. Oh, we have. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that, man. Another return to Oz point for me is I'm glad it wasn't a musical. I think, I think this movie didn't need to be a musical. Yeah, I'm glad it was. No, I'm, I mean, I'm Even also glad this wasn't a musical. But I, I mean, like when our track record is A Star Is Born and Mamma Mia Two. I'm like, maybe musicals are good. I don't think this is Mamma Mia too good, but it's got Tay Diggs and Kristen Chenoweth singing great songs. and <laughs> You could just have ended the sentence with, but it's got Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs is the best part of the movie. He's, his song is amazing. It's, I think it's one of the best songs in the whole series, movie and show included. I think it's one of the best songs. I, I know, It's pretty fucking good. It's the world's greatest song. Um, so that's coming up. But before we get to that, we will be doing a movie next week for Halloween times. It's Ooh. the spooky haunted era of the year I'm where scared. everybody gets. <laughs> ah, sorry. Oh, I'm just so scared. I'm shaking in me, quivering in my boots. Um, Sorry, I, that cough was real. And now I, I tried to make it work and I didn't. So I'm just going to. I just realized one last thing. Yeah, uh, I do. I, I I almost forgot to relitigate this, but uh, fuck you for not letting me come on for the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift episode. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> Man, uh, I couldn't even make it for that one. <laughs> right, it's because you knew that 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 kept you safe from my wrath. Uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious is the fucking best. I love those movies so much. This podcast deserves to have someone on who fucking loves those movies. I intend to come back on someday. To hopefully talk about like Fast and Furious Six or something like that. Even without us knowing, you'll just be here. I'll just be here. Chat. I'll just I'll just open up the Zencaster thing. I'll be here, and then I'll put it on your feed somehow. Uh, no, I this doesn't. The, My Little Pony is higher priority right now, but I would I, I I do intend to to rectify what has been done and come on to talk about a Fast and Furious movie at some point. Cool. So, so there you go. I'm down. That'll be fun. So, somebody's gonna have to fix. My the fact that my opinion is that there's Tokyo Drift and then basically nothing else. You've, well, you've only seen like two of them, right? Yeah, I saw the good one and then one of the other ones. I don't know. Jesus Christ! And We're even then, it was this. one of the earlier ones, right? Corey? Right. This is this is oh, why yeah. I want to come back on for six. I think six is a great one because it's one. It's in the Justin Lin sort of era of like when it gets really crazy and it's really really obviously Justin Lin also did Tokyo Drift, but this is when it's post five Justin Lin. Uh, and it's really, really great. But also because it's between five and seven, a lot of people forget about six because five and seven are so amazing. But six is also amazing. So I think it's a good, good choice for this podcast. A lot of people also forget about six because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. It. I'm asking for my plugs. <laughs> well, hold on. No, we have to. We have, we have to get to Corey's announcement. No, I'm just like or, or it's whoever's Halloween, announcement. It's, it's it's Halloween Town Month. It's Halloween times. And we're doing Halloween movies, and somebody had to pick a Halloween movie, and I'd like to know what it is. Is that you being vague because you don't know whose pick it is? No, you said it was bitches. No, dude, it's mine. mine. Last week. <laughs> oh my god, this is so funny, dude. We got to get you checked out, Corey. <laughs> you get static electricity in your brain. <laughs> All right. Um, my my pick is going to be. That was completely real, by the way. I know. I, I know it was. I, I wish know. I was doing a pick. <laughs> I don't. 
fuck? <laughs> okay, my movie, uh, my pick for next week to kick off uh, October is going to be a movie that on the Wikipedia page, it says, to date, it is the only installment in the series that has not been re-released to either home formats or video on demand. Um, Where are we going to watch it? <laughs> we're going to have to find it on like a bootleg site. It looks like it's on YouTube or Daily Motion. I'll have to check nice. to see do if, a little if, three if, you it's know it's yeah. It's on Tubi. <laughs> I don't know if that's the full version. Um, so I'll, I'll have to check. I'll let you guys know. Sorry, they're, they're, the birds are stoked for October. Um, so this movie, it's from 1997. Uh, it is a horror Great movie that, that takes place, uh, I think, on Halloween night. Yeah, Halloween night. Uh, it's called Night of the Demons 3. That's what I want to watch with you guys. Night right. of the Demons 3. That sounds like a movie that you would cover on this podcast. Is Night of the Demons not one of the ones that you did on Horus War? No, that was Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps. Oh, of course. No sequels. Well, I, to I that knew one. Night of the Creeps. I thought I thought you maybe did a, a trio of Night of's, but no, you did Critters. We did Critters. Yeah. 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 Anyway, no free plugs, so we don't need that. <laughs> but uh, Night of the Demons three. Yeah, that sounds like peak TMAO stuff. Uh, Mitch, you're free to go. Uh, would you like to plug anything? Ah! Fuck us. <laughs> Oz. Ryan, thank you for coming back. This was great. Yeah. I think thank you for really doing well. all of that fucking research and being so knowledgeable. I like um, Oz. Is there anything you want to plug? It doesn't have to be like a social media thing or whatever. Like yeah, if you're, yeah, of course. If you're working on stuff, if you just want to give people advice or like life <laughs> suggestions or Absolutely. whatever, you got a fun fact, I don't know, whatever. whatever well, yeah. Whatever of course. Shout out to Crazy George Henderson. Uh, inventor of the tambourine. Inventor of the tambourine and nothing else. Didn't do any. Jesus Christ! Never did a single other goddamn thing with his life. Goddamn! I hope he doesn't listen to this. What does he have? Lord's son. How old is Crazy George? I I should. He was born in 1944. I'm gonna do the math. Fucking old enough. 2022 minus 1944. It's like he's 78. Good year. Good year. Uh, yeah, shout out to Crazy George Henderson. Very nice guy. I, I recommend that everyone meet Crazy George Henderson, inventor of the wave. Uh, uh, and I, I plugged my Twitter last time. Uh, Footface Jingle Buns at Ace Kiddo Unreal. I don't do much on there. I just retweet and like, like occasionally tweet stuff. I'm bad at Twitter. Uh, uh, that's about it, I guess. Oh, I'm, I'm as far as what's going on. I mean, I, I will say I have decided to totally wreck uh my free time and personal life and i'm currently doing a, 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 a binge of every single film from walt disney animation studios so that's fun that's a lot of movies man 60 movies yeah that's a lot <laughs> i've seen, I've one seen a week, almost exactly more than a year well i'm watching i'm watching i'm watching like one or two a day uh but yeah i mean i mean that's uh it's 60 movies i've seen about 30 of them so it's pretty- what's the best one you've seen so far uh, I think the best one is Fantasia. Uh, I think Fantasia is just a work of art. It's incredible. My favorites Bro- are Little Mermaid and Hunchback. Bro, just wait until they, they make 1998 more Fantasias. By the way, Fantasia 2000, have you covered that on here? No, but... It, That'd be we, a great choice. That would be a good choice. An, an inter- a movie with really good stuff and less good stuff. I love a good movie with stuff. Uh, But yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. 
tight. Thank you. Thanks again for coming back, as ever. Great Thank time. Thank you. No particular... Uh, I'm glad that we didn't have to commit too hard to our original plan. Also, I think it was generally a more chill episode than last time. Yeah, we're just vibing. I like you know? it. At first really- I was worried, like, is this going to be too dull? But no, it's just nice. Nah, it's it's a nice chill hangout time. It's that time of year. It's autumn. Yeah. You know, you're getting into comfortable sweaters. You're you're gathering the boys and you're reminiscing about Oz. And I think it's just perfect for that time of year. I think we've kind of got it in one. Absolutely. Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I've got a Twitter and a Letterboxd account. Um, the username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price if you want a landing page for the other podcasts that I do, which include MK Podquest with our friend Neil about Mortal Kombat and also a bunch of other shit. And also Strat 2, the occasional podcast I do with our friend Callum about F1. You can go to MortalKombatConquest.ca and it's all there. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what kind of shoes your favorite movie would have if Nike made a special pair of shoes for that movie. Absolutely. I'll send you pictures of the Leica Nikes after this. Please, I do actually want to see those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Ryan, thank you again for stopping by. Great time. Yeah, my pl- my pleasure. It was great. And uh, Halloween month's kicking off with a bang next week. Night of the Demons three. Are oh, they made another one?